Howdy, howdy, howdy. And here we are uh, doing another of the Not Gonna Happen Garage Gamers. All right, folks, so uh, here we are. Uh, we were at Gen Con. We talked to Ronnie Renton from Mantic. After Gen Con, we talked to Johnny P., uh, one of the guys who is a big proponent and uh, does a lot of work for Mantic Games. And uh, since we got a bunch of tape down on this, rather than... Excuse me. Make a whole episode of Garage Hammer, especially with all the new AOS stuff coming out. Um, you know, Mantic's been a, a big sponsor of ours for a while, and we really appreciate it. So we're going to do just a pure Mantic episode, bonus episode here for you. Uh, I'm going to bring it in with Ronnie, talking to Ronnie, and then talking to Johnny P, and then wrapping it up. So enjoy. And I am back here again at Gen Con with the man himself, Mr. Mantic, Ronnie Renton. Hello, David. Good to see you again. How are you? Fantastic. So we're here at our, I think this is our, what, our fourth annual Gen Con wrap-up, you and I? Um, the booth's getting bigger. It's getting big. Good looking. You're polished. We've got little sections now. Okay, that's Mars Attacks for the people who don't know Toy Soldiers. This is the dark and dirty corner for uh, those that are, are already lost. Their souls are lost. And you've got uh, Dreadball Extreme going in one corner. Yeah, you've got good, yeah, yeah. all the stuff around. Looking good. He had all dressed up. He had his Dreadball made up, especially. So, um, yeah, it's really nice. We've got different sections. And, you know, the Adepticon crowd is totally different than the Gen Con crowd. So, right. Um, yeah, we love Gen Con. It's far more general. It's a bit more board gamey. So, they want the lighter hearted stuff. Um, but we've still got our real hardcore fans that are either back to Kickstarter or, or, or war gamers, and they love coming along as well. So we've got a bit of everything. Yep. Speaking of the Kickstarters, um, I've gotten a bunch of emails that uh, you, you've wrapped up. Yep. Uh, a bunch of the uh, the older ones, yep. the, the the third and fourth wave, are getting yeah, all yeah, wrapped yeah, up. Yeah. And um, I we and um, so the Dungeon Saga is really getting. It's just all there. Uh, we've had a we had a, what we did is a. I had a little period where we ran a few back-to-backs, and this was where I was just trying to polish up. Um, we weren't doing new games. We did Dungeon Saga about a year ago, but we also, I knew Kings of War needed a freshen up, and we had uh, Dead Zone, which is, was, because that was a first, both those were first edition games, there's always things that just niggle at you. Right. But I knew they weren't a lot of work to get finished. We'd done a lot of work with Dead Zone. We'd go, you know, $1.4 million backing. So we had a lot of terrain. We didn't want to do a lot more. We wanted to just, what do you need to finish it? Actually, you wanted a bit more things, pipes. You wanted some sewer, sewer systems and things that took that extra level of detail up and really made it beautiful. Right. So we were able, so what I did was we ran them all kind of back to back. And then we've had six months where we've not run any. We've just had a nice, quiet time. We've been able to talk to our retailers. We've been talking to the hobbyists. We've been getting people excited about the trade launch of Dungeon Saga and Kings of War. We've been able to polish up the website and get our social media going while the warehouse guys are working on getting everything out. Okay. And we've got a real shipment post. So we've just finished Dreadball Extreme, which was the third wave. So that was one more wave than it should have been because (laughs) that kicked on again. And we did a lot of paper in that. So that was a third wave, and this is the, where it's changing, and this is what's going to be. Kings of War shipping is going to go in two waves, but the, all the existing armies, books, um, you know, um, and the new counters and everything are going next week. So Can't wait. I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah hardback, softback books. We've just downloaded the hardback book. We've just really started. It's going to be hitting the retail shelves. So it's, it's a real quick turnaround because there's a simple book. We're all the wave two, and then at the end of the year, we've got the abyssals. So, two waves, uh, Bizzles and Nature, coming l- either in one or two waves later. But 
we're out, we're up and running. Right. And while we've been finishing all of that at the same time, and so needless to say, Gravity Design's been a bottleneck, we've been finishing Dungeon Saga, which is the game, plus the three expansion, da-da-da-da-da, one shipment. First time we've ever done a one shipment Kickstarter. Nice, very nice. So it does mean there's a whole lot of toys coming up, it's going to be great, it's all fantasy orientated, the extreme is, is really Blood Bowl's kicking back up again, people have got excited with the player's manual, so there's a whole heap of stuff and it's really exciting and then uh, we've kind of cleared the decks and everybody's got some toys to get on with and we'll start the cycle again. Very good. So now you mentioned with the retailer. So are you gonna are you are you planning on trying to get a higher profile for like Kings of War in the retail big shops? Time, big time. And I think we've learned here you can't do everything for everybody on every product. So pick your battles. Okay. So Kings of War is a perfect product for companies that sell miniature games. Right. We are not selling this to kids. This is not a uh, you know beginner's game. Right. This is. 100 miniatures, you know, 60, 70 miniatures, you've got to be able to glue, paint. You've got to have a want to do that. So you probably grew up through the GW world. You may have right. left it and done something else and a few skirmish games. But I don't know about you, but I have a yearning to play historical fantasy games. I like them. I like rank and file. Um, I don't have as much time as I used to, and I don't want to be building army lists and getting nerfed in the first turn. <laughs> so that's what Kings of War appeals to, and, and it's unapologetically that now. And because we've got other things, we can let that be what it is. Now, you've just... now. I, I've I've been with you guys pretty much yep. since the beginning. I've since yep. uh, since you put out your undead line. Yep. When I love those zombies, and we've been we've been talking. You and me and Chris, f- literally five years. Yep. We've been uh, yeah, talking. Yeah. Uh, we're going six Yeah. Chris Christopher still claims uh, he still claims credit for the uh, abyssal dwarves because yeah. I remember <laughs> they didn't have. He's like, you need these kind of dwarves, and then like then it came out that next wave. But um, now when it first came out, a lot of people called it Warhammer Light. Yep. And. Um, and I liked it. Christopher liked it. It was very streamlined, very easy to play, um, but it sort of didn't sort of grab that 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 Warhammer crowd. Now that Age of Sigmar has come out and there yeah. is no more rank and flank, a lot yeah. of people, even friends of mine who didn't like first edition, are asking me about second edition. Now, having been a backer and I got the PDF, I've seen the yeah. rules, and yes, now the rules are on your website too, the basic rules. Yeah, so what we've done is the backer's got a full, complete rule book, yep. got everything there, and then we've got on our website, and we'll try before you buy, it's got all the basic rules, it's got 60% of every army list, is to let you take your existing army, whatever it is, wherever you got it from, and have a game. If I like it, well, you know what? The buying is 25 bucks. And, yeah. you know, that's one regiment. <laughs> yeah. Less than one regiment. Maybe one hero. So you can validate your whole army yep. with 25 bucks. For the book, yeah. And you're playing. You've got the full rule set. If you want to get the book with all the background and the hardback for your bookshelf, that's 40. So it really is a low buy-in. And actually, to give it a try is no buying. Now, as far as second edition goes, and like I said, I've read it. You guys really did clean this up. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, you know, Alessio went in. Um, you listed different heights for different yep. Just models to make, it super clean. To, to make the line of sight as simple. Well, you then can, you can have a beautiful-looking battlefield, but without arguments that, wait a second, how come my hill can't see over those trees? Well, and one of the things that you've always said is you don't have to, I mean, you, you go by the unit's footprint. Yeah. So you don't have to literally have 40 models in your thing. You can have 20 or 30, and then you can have a yeah. diorama, and you can and really the, the hobby it. The whole point it. is we, we hobby that up. I mean, it's caused a bit of controversy, that. But the truth is, we, we in our own tournaments, we won't let them be less than half. 
Okay, because right. I don't think it's fair to your opponent to put one model down and yeah. say it's. If 40, you want to play that, go and play board games. You know, that's right. not, visually, war games are about a, a stimulating picture. Right. So, but we recommend seventy percent. Seventy eighty means that if you're looking at thirty six, forty figures, you're looking at a big board of figures that are coming towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does mean that you can die armor up. You can make things. You put a dead figure on it. You've got the dogs on it. A little bit of unit filler, a bit of a building, yeah, some broken pillars Correct. and stuff. And I've seen as long as it's still really obvious. Oh, and then you've got the footprint, which makes it crystal clear, the edge of the diameters, and that's what you're playing against. Exactly. So I saw someone with a beautiful uh, zombie regiment that had 20 zombies on it. And what he'd done is he put some fencing, and they'd kind of collapsed the fence and were coming through. Mm-hmm. And it, it looked it looked like about twelve figures, but it wasn't. There was twenty. He got them all on. Right. But he put them in a way where they were surging. Yeah. So the footprints there. Visually, it looked absolutely stunning. So I think what we're trying to get is in the spirit of the game. And actually, if you're running a tournament and you want ones, go ahead. You know, yep. we're a very broad church. Uh, we're trying to say to people, enjoy it how you want. Uh, we'll do it this way. But actually, just make it clear. The footprint's the key. That's where you measure to and from. And the nice so, thing, like I said, with the height, you've got your infantry is one, your cavalry and big guys are two, monsters are four. So if, I, if I'm one of those people, and I'm not, yeah. but if I'm one of those people who goes hog wild on their dioramas and their conversions, yeah. you don't I get punished beautiful for it. thing, it's not, you know, the, yeah. And this so is, you can make a beautiful battlefield, you can have your terrain, it just doesn't, and then there's the rules around it. And yeah. The rule works with making sure you've got lovely looking armies, you've got lovely looking gaming tables, you can enjoy yourselves. But if you're also a hardcore gamer, that's going to work too. So it can work visually, and it's clear, and it can work if you just want the game to play it, and and, and you know really the the competitive side, it works for that too. That's and it and like I said, it's really great. And so if if someone wants to try, you've got you've got a lot of Warhammer players okay. who are still and a lot of them still waffling here on with yeah, the Age okay. of Sigmar. They're listening. What's bring them? Well, bring I think them the first thing I'd say: anyone who's playing Warhammer Eight likes a rank and file game. They've been playing these kind of games for a while, and I like historical fantasy war games. Yep. Um, you know, I studied history. I studied international history, which means studied war, basically. Um, <laughs> and what was apparent was in, 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 in battlefields right up until the modern day, you won by breaking the opposition's nerve. You, you unsettled their army. You broke their line and rolled them up, or you got behind them. Or you pounded their key units until they broke and their leader broke and then the rest went, oh, you know what? And so we tried to recreate that in Kings of War. You don't need a lot of rules to recreate that. You need to understand what you're trying to achieve. You need a good rules writer, which we had with Alessio. When you combine those, I think we got something that was exciting in Kings of War 1. What it wasn't was perfectly and beautifully polished and balanced. Now, that's hard when you're releasing, you know... We'd done some beaters, but the first print run had, you know, 10 armies in it, straight out of the box, with 20 entries in each. So what I then asked when we did the second was, Alessia, what do you want to tweak? What do I want to tweak? But also then, let's get the rules committee, who've played hundreds and hundreds of games. We spoke to the community before we went, and we said, come on, tell us what you want us to see more of or less of. And then the rules committee balanced every single unit, every troop type, every which way of doing it. They took away all the things that make an argument. So you can enjoy this game as a casual pickup and play. You can play a 10,000 point battle all Sunday and you can put a tournament together, play five games in a day and you don't get arguments. So what you did was you sat with Alessio and you polished the rules and you let your community 
take your army list and balance them for you. And obviously, you have the yeah, final the say. Most, yep, yep. But you, the you rules hand- committee did it because they were very veteran players. I mean, we had the best player in the UK. We had American contingent. We had some Australians. We had a very uh, intelligent group of hardcore players that played this game a lot. So they weren't dealing with it as an intellectual exercise, which is often what the designer does. Right. They were doing it in a practical, I've played many, many games way. And, and, and of course, the, the answer is always finding the right balance between those two things. But I think from so, the feedback we're getting, that's the case. So that way you don't get that one item that's broken that's in every list because they got to take it because it just, it's the I win button. So your, your guys have eliminated the, the I win buttons and picked up the stuff that's Correct. garbage. Well, and we'd, we'd got, we've been very conscious right from the start of not letting I win buttons because we wanted units. Right. And uh, units, the more units there are, the less I wins there are. But interestingly, by the end of the first phase, and it'd take them two or three years, the hardcores had realized you min-maxed your troops and your heavy big infantry. Right. Um, angels, <laughs> lesser golems, and uh, you, 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 know, you could min-max on those, you could tool it up, and you were suddenly playing a game that was not quite the game we wanted to play. Right. So now elves can shoot, and their bow's really good. So is the combat. So is the cavalry. So how you use your army, how you deploy it. More importantly, how you get into your opponent's head and get him starting to respond to you. So like the checkers, the chess, those classic strategy games, that's what he's tapping into. And that's why I think, here's how I'm like, play it. If you do me one service, play it. And I had this down on the stand today. Hardcore Warhammer player. He's just had his faith kind of rocked. Doesn't mean he doesn't like Sigma. It's a great game. It is what it is. But it isn't. It isn't Warhammer Fantasy. It's a completely new game. Yeah, and it's not a rank-and-file historical war game. No, it's not. And there is a group of people that that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I think there's now a choice of either cobbling together some other mishmash or playing this, which is valid, it's vibrant, the community's growing like crazy, and that many people can't be wrong. There can't be that many people who <laughs> like a rank-and-file game and are coming along and saying, I was dubious, I played it, and now I play it a lot. Doesn't mean you don't play other things, but everybody can't be wrong. Exactly. And especially for people who already have these armies <laughs> built up. I mean, huge ones. 25 bucks. Yeah, exactly. So, and then yeah, you're no, not even that, because you can go online, you can download the rule set. No, it doesn't have a few magic items, it doesn't have every spell and stuff, but what it has is the rules that you need to play, the flavor of it, plus 60% of every army list. So, you can pick a few units and you can give it a go and you can go, oh, I, okay, I can see the charm in this. And some will, some won't. I think more will than won't, but the, you know, the only thing I can say is, if you're thinking about it, try it. You couldn't make it an easier buy-in. It's free. There you you've go. got the army, you've done the hard work, so come on, jump along. And you can still play other games, but there's going to be a tournament scene, it's growing like crazy, there's yep. new releases coming for it, we've got two new beautiful new armies coming out So that, uh, that are their own IP, so they're starting to become... As well as, you know, okay. there is no armies like this. The forces of nature is, you know, it's elementals and, uh, you know, triads and fishmen and salamanders. <laughs> We've got a force of the abyss, you know, with the evil imps and the Molochs and this kind of... So there's some... It's vibrant, it's exciting, it's good fun, and, you know, we're very excited about it. That's, and that's just and that's just great because, like I said, I've, I've, always, I've always enjoyed the game. Um, you do, some of the things you don't have, which is not a bad thing is uh, there's not as much customization of like characters and stuff like that yeah. but you don't need it in your game because you're allowed to give I mean that list of magic items and your list of magic items is a good four or five pages oh yeah yeah and stuff in there you can just give one it's it's like per unit so you just you, you could it's a buff 
It's a buff for different just units. Does, when you hit that unit, it doesn't do exactly the same. So, and you think, yeah. well, I'm going to play these guys. I just want to slow them down a bit, or I just want to stay there a little longer. And it's that kind of thing where it's just making tactical decisions beforehand. I need that unit to do that to them. Okay. But it's not, if they do that to them, ha, 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 they're going to lose. It's going to be about, I know what he's going to try and do, and I'm just going to try and counter it. Or I'm going to try and force this. And so everything magic, uh, magic items, is about moving it in your favor. But unless you then pull off that action... It's not going to be an, uh, an empty And you don't you don't put your heroes in your units, so your units are not ablative wounds for a hero to go and do stuff. Your heroes really, I mean, they can go in there, but they a lot of times they sit sort of behind the lines, and they really do lead the troops. They buff the troops. They give that that yeah. that inspiration to the troops. They really and then they dive in when they need to swing the battle. Exactly. So, so it's, the, it's the whole cinematic movement. So almost what we're looking at is you go. Um, firstly, they're inspiring. So when you make that terrible roll and you think they're off they look to the boss and the boss says get back in there guys <laughs> stay where you are keep holding keep okay yeah if he's on the other side of the pitch no, they're gone. so how you use your heroes they charge around they, they have 360 so this game where it's all about your frontage and, and just explaining that often in the olden days in all the way through time you try to break their line and then get the flank and then roll it up and so when we first designed first version fighting in the front normal Attacking the side, double the number of attacks. Attacking in the rear, triple. Because if yep. you are fighting, you're looking that way, and someone hits your unit in the back, you're like, what the... I'm, I'm good, this is going to hurt. And it's a simple way to do that. It's not different bonuses. It's yeah. just, look, oh. if you're hitting here, you get extras. Double, and if you get there, Yeah. You, so, wow, it's big. Yeah, so don't let your line be broken. Make sure you're protecting your flanks. Well, now you've got decisions to make. I want them to charge forward, but if they charge... Okay, so they get move and counter move. You've got that dynamism you need. And your hero is the guy that can come in and go, I've really got to break this here. So what I'm going to do is my captain is going to come running over and throw his five attacks on top of the other guys. They don't get the round bonus. So they can't come flying in the side and on the back. Right. It's a single guy. So, you know, if a hero comes piling in the side, yeah, you guys can turn to face him. If a cavalry unit comes in, they're going to roll you up. Right. So the horror is they are the tipping is about color and influence. It's not about the, the the main ingredient. The main ingredient is positioning your army, using it well. How does my cannon support the attacks? How does my magic keep it? In the, and so, so and even with your cavalry, one of the things that I never liked about cavalry in a game is you charge, and if you don't break them on the charge, you're screwed. But with you, you break. You don't break. You pull back. They counter charge. They don't break you. They pull back. So you're getting that sort of hitting, pulling back, yep. running in and hitting again. Um, the counter charge rule was a great addition. As long as you can move the unit, if they hit you in the flank or in the rear, as long as you can turn the unit around to face it without having other so, units blocking. Yeah, yeah, we're going to turn and face you. Why would we just stay on the side? Yeah. We're going to turn and face. We're going to fight. So it's that it's that dynamism, and you know, and the, and the thunderous charge means that really cavalry hit hard that first time. Because what they're trying to do, and now, you know, they come trundling across 60, 70 meters, 700 feet, they hit. That's when they've got to break. And if they don't, those lances in the second round of combat are not quite as good as they were in the first, because they don't have a huge big horse or whatever else they're riding thumping into bodies, knocking them left, right, and center. Right. So, um, you know, today I was just playing a game, a little demo game, and he sent his, you know, his angels kept flying in. They hit us. They hit us with a hard charge. And even a good unit of cavalry broke because they were they were just rolled up. And one of the things that's good is, like, even if you like to read fantasy novels, we were talking about the heroes. Yeah. Um, if you go back to the classic Lord of the Rings, you know, Aragorn runs everywhere. Yeah. 
when he's here, they're doing good. When that starts to crumble, he runs over there. And that's exactly what your heroes do. They charge around. Where's the threat coming? Okay, well, actually, five inches, I can move, you know, double move. Get him over there. Get him to test on his leadership. You've got to be watching the whole battlefield. And where do I need the support? Where do I need those extra attacks? Where does my magician need to go and heal? Yeah. You know, where does he need to go and zap? And it's cool that you can uh, you can get multiples of some of these guys to help out. Like, it's yeah. not just one army you, standard you, you, banner. You could take two or three yeah, banners, spread them out, yeah. use that to make sure that you are backing up. There's, there's a lot more strategy in this game than people, I think, gave it credit it's, it's for. It's the Othello, it's the checkers. And I, please just give it a try. Give it a try. Because when you play it, you see the subtlety. When you read it, you'll think it's simplistic. It isn't. Because what you're going to play is your opponent. Right. You're not going to play his army list, and you're not going to play, uh, uh, you know, a kind of... Uh, you're going to play a war. Yeah, I was playing against Johnny P. at the Depticon. He brought his tournament list with his... Um, he had a bunch of undead. He had several war machines and just tons of... Uh, the, I think there's the werewolves. Yeah. And I, I had just huge ranks of the skeletons and zombies and stuff. And, man, it was just two completely different forces, Hello, two completely Rachel. different ways to play. And... Um, it was great. We had so much fun, and it was it was literally balancing on those dice rolls. Every every one. Yeah. And can I, mean, I how can I can my hero get in? Because there's extra few dice rolls. It just tips it in my favor. And my so, stupid horde of zombies got held up by one werewolf for like half the game because I just couldn't get that wound roll on him. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I liked, and I want to bring this part up, is with your war machines because you don't use templates. Yep. Um, it's really actually you guys have. You guys have done a really nice thing with the D6, which is clever, which depending on the type of war machine, a lot of guys just hit on fives. Because let's face it, it's hard to hit from a distance with the black powder thing. When it hits, you're doing D6 of wounds here or 2D6 here, depending on the type of, I think, like you have the um, the, like the organ gun type thing yeah. with the multi-cannon. They don't hit as hard, but they hit with more dice because there's a lot more hitting, whereas the cannon, boom, pounds five to six guys and just flattens them. Um but it's it's on that simple, you know. They don't hit that often, but when they hit, it hurts. It hurts yeah, bad. That's trying to make it. Yeah, not really hard to get it lined up. And you get a couple of looks, and, and they look at a couple of those good shots off early. It's going to hurt. But yep. similarly, if you don't, so yep. how much do how much do I allocate to? Yeah, do I want to spend the extra points on the guy who gives me the extra reroll who does that? Because now this sixty-five point war machine is a hundred fifty point war machine, but now boom, can I get that? Because seriously, that little D six, especially in a game where you pile up your wounds, yeah. where they just keep piling up. So this is the idea: you come across a battlefield, the cannon hits you, then the arch pile into you. So by the time the cavalry comes running into you, you think we're nearly done. Yeah. We have been pounded as we come across here. However. If, as a group, you know, you're coming across, you take some damage, but fundamentally you're still a tight unit. When you come, okay, you know what? The cavalry didn't get their charge off, and we're going to run down the hill, and we're going to go and smack their heads in. You hit, and you hurt. Yeah. So that difference between getting across and not getting across as a valid fighting unit shouldn't mean that they fight weaker when they get there. They're, they're still a fighting unit, and they come crashing in, and they're going to do a whole heap of attacks. Right. And if they break you, they're going to keep running after you and everything else. So it's, 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 you know, it's, it's really good. And I think there's a lot of people now trying it. Yeah. 
communities getting excited by it and um, you know books on the shelf August 22nd that's going to be fantastic. So, all right. So I could talk about Kings of War all day because we know how I feel about this game. But so um, you said Dwarf Kings hold his shipping. Dungeon Quest. Or, I mean, Dungeon you see, Quest. You see, you're your age there. <laughs> you know where it started from. I have bo- I have all three yeah, editions exactly. of it yeah, yeah. at home, all painted up. The, my son and I still play yeah. it. But this is, for those of you who haven't seen it or haven't played it, I would compare it to something like, uh, a, it's a dungeon crawl. It's a yeah. descent. It's a Star Wars Armada, Final Fan- Fantasy. Kind of, yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, I think it's probably more aimed at the war game crowd than the board game crowd. Yes. Because it's about the minis, it's about the 3D angles, there's furniture, there's doors. So, more here. Quest, you know that that was an interesting right. place to, to, to come at it from. So I think in homage of that, it's more get your tiles down, and then there's a narrative campaign. So they start out as rookies, and they've got to get the bad guy, and the first things they meet is a couple of skeletons, and they've got to get through a door. And by the second thing, let's get some more wizards and a few skeleton archers. And by my adventure four, they're fighting zombie troll shamans. There's banshees. There's zombies. There's, it scales up, but you know what? It's a good job you found that stuff in the treasure chest. Because now you've got a big magic hammer and some magic armor, and so as there's a, there's a role playing game element to it. Correct, and so it, it appeals to all of us war gamers visually. We want to play different games, uh, but we want it to be based around the miniatures. But we actually want to level up. We like leveling up. The more successful we are, we're on the next level. I want a new magic item, please. And one of the things that Harrison really liked was I was showing him, because, of course, yeah. when I was picking the expansion stuff and going with all my Kickstarter with my uh, yeah. add-ons, I showed him, I said, should I get these guys? What are those guys? I'm like, well, those are the same guys from the beginning, except they're all armored up. He's like, what? I'm like, when they're experienced, this is, this is the half-naked barbarian. This is the barbarian lord with all the weapons, all the armor. He's like, that's... So you could, sw- yeah, yeah, you could switch, you could switch out the model yeah. on and later. Actually, if you're a board gamer and you don't care about the model visually, you know what? The barbarian's a barbarian. Now he's legendary, good, he's tougher. Give me the tougher stuff, let's play. But those of us who come from you know, the more uh, aesthetic side, then for me... As they get tougher, visually, I want them represented as tougher. Now, I don't, you know, we'd all like to be able to change the weapon every time they change the weapon. You can't do it, but you can go as they tool up. Now it's the legendary version, and they're not. And what we're hoping is that what we're going to do on our website is lots of extra little missions in between. Cool. So in the game, we go kind of mission one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But in actual fact, it's almost ten games between each one of those. We level them up. It's like the, the, the film version instead of the TV version. So you do okay. 1, 10, 20, 30. So we can go back and drop in Adventure 1.1, 1.2. So they're still beginning, still kind of basic stuff. So that if people are playing it and want more and more quests. So but, so there is a plan for that. You've got more Correct. quests and the, the yeah. expansions, not even necessarily with bits and parts, but with more scenarios. So more playability in with those basic four heroes as they play this journey. Later Fantastic. on, there's a wonderful expansion called the Adventurous Companion that allows you to just build your own dungeons, use all your models from your Kings of War range and, and probably some other ranges too, um, build your own party, they can level up and everything else. So there is the whole kind of role-play angle behind, but with it being, you know, we're not trying to take on D&D here, we're not trying to take <laughs> on those guys, it's a miniatures-based game. A, a miniature-based dungeon crawl. It's yeah. A, it's a, yeah it's and like you said, for it's us, a dungeon it's not the role-play yeah. angle. The role-play is the flavouring. The miniatures and the visual playing, the, the cards are pretty basic. It's not all the super skills they've got. It's I'm moving miniatures and I'm trying to, and you can play it. Me versus you, David. Let's battle it out. You know, son versus dad. Let's get it on. Through to you can have a little bit of a, a club night where you take your game down. You get four people to play a hero each, yep. and that'll work too. 
So That's cool. You 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 know you can play it both ways. It's, it's what was that old game? Gauntlet, like Gauntlet, where you yeah. get you get yourself a wizard, <laughs> a, get a, a, a barbarian. The you get a elf game. shot the food. <laughs> Anyone under like forty has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> So you've got all this going on. You've got all these parts. Um, eventually, are you going? Like you said, you're going to be able to bring in your other lines. Is there a point where you're going to be able to? Are you going to have stats and stuff for all the different armies? Yeah, like think, so, I if I, I want to bring in my Basileans or my, I think they are already certainly all the baddies. I think are in this adventurous companion. Um, okay, a lot of uh, there's a lot of them covered in those companions. So the expansion plan is it starts with a wonderful narrative 3D quest pa- quest. The first expansion is, um, if you enjoy that and you want to build your own, there you go. The other is, if you've played those guys through and you want to do some more adventures, there's Age of Valandor, which is, the, as they're mega hard, going on against even harder baddies and the, and the, the consequence of Mortibus opening the rift. There's, de- there's like a demon coming through, so they're going to fight him. So there's that journey continued. Okay. And then there's also a couple of packs over the next year or two where they'll go and take on the Abyss. And, and that's where you get a new hero and you get a whole new almost reset button start again and let's go fantastic um, so in fact there's an orc and goblin one and a uh, abyss one and then of course a dragon alright so okay we've covered little uh, dwarf king's hold we've I've just talked a bunch of kings of war um, you've wrapped up a lot of your kickstarter so this is the part where I always ask yeah yeah alright come on Ronnie Dish <laughs> yeah, what's next was, uh, give me my exclusive yeah what's well next? I mean we did a lot of work on warpath um, this was Alfred out earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, I think there's two two views. The first was um, from those that want to play a kind of big battle sci-fi game. So this is you know Kings of War esque, uh, simple, bigger, faster, squad based. They loved it. You know, okay. there's always a little tweaks, there's a little bit, but those that wanted to play that kind of game loved it. So it's not rank and flank; it's the squad. It's the it's keeping. Squad, keeping... There, is a, there is a degree of um, squad based. Okay, so that's the squad and how it fights. You can then add them with other things, but crudely, that's five of them. That's five of them. Those five fire at that. It's, it's a unit okay. based. So five is a unit, and they, they go like that. And I mean, take some damage. Five are coming off at a time. Okay. So there is some damage, but it's not uh, all built up. There is things do get weaker because I think the firepower argument is different than a huge group of sixty guys piling into you. Right. But 60 guys come in, they're going to hit you, it's going to hurt. Whereas this one is, I've either got that many shooting or not. So the firepower does, um, i trying to think of the word, it comes down. Okay. Um, but there was a somewhat large group that wanted to play a squad-based, you know, uh, what you see is what you get, single figure. So that shoots at that. So it's not, um, it's not... You, you armied up. It's it's more of a squad base size, forty, fifty, sixty figures. Okay. But because the miniatures are the big investment, and they're the big things we want to get, and we're loving the IP. We've got Dead Zone that does this real skirmish level, right? Uh, which again a little quicker, but that's a nice game. We can do the big one because the people that wanted that game played it. So I think the solution we're going to look at is, um, well, I'll tell you what, we'll write you two books. They'll draw from the same army list or draw from the same miniatures range. If you want to play the squad base game play uh, Warpath Firefight and if you want to play the big battle game play Warpath I don't know what's it going to be epic you know okay and and because your troops are the thing you can actually use the same troops in all three games whichever one you want to do because that's the major investment the IP and the army so well, and that's been the benefit is with with Dead Zone coming out and you being able to bring out the, the, the squad games. Um, these are the same armies that were originally listed yeah. in the Warpath. I remember yeah, I had yeah. the I have the Warpath. I still I have two boxes of yeah, the uh, Forge Fathers one of these and the guys. guys. Yeah. Twenty years from now, we're like, it's gonna, 
Yeah, and you know it was our first attempt at that, and I think we, you know, we bit off more than we could chew. So we went back, licked our wounds, and from dread ball onwards, we've just got bigger and better and stronger. And the backing has allowed us to do things that are extraordinary for a company our size. Well, and and when, we shouldn't forget that. You and know? when we talked about that, I think you said the biggest problem you had was all the different machinery. Yeah. You can make the guys. Yeah, yeah. And you have the guys now. You've got the oh, Forge that, Fathers, and you've got the... When yeah. we kick off with the Warpath Kickstarter, which you know is just around the corner, that's where we're going to go next, it's going to be, here is an army of troops. Let's get the vehicles going on. Let's get this book funded. Once that's done, straight away, people have seen the Interceptor. It looks fantastic. Yep. Forge Father Tank. Yes, please. Vermin Burrow. Yes, please. And so the cash can go straight into that. So that there really is this whole idea of scale... And then we're looking at some kind of resin production so that we can take the interceptor and we can make it troop transporter, heavy heavy interceptor, light interceptor, and with beautiful resin pieces, and resin, not resin, but resin pieces, we can convert these kits. So instantly, you're coming out with four. So you get your basic kit, and then you've got the, just however you decide to build it, it Correct. can fit into any kit. Yeah. And, and the, that's the simplest way to So it gives you a whole yeah. range, and then you can have you know, the command ship, and you can have this, that, and the other. So straight away, we're going to be in critical mass Nice and easy to paint, nice and big and easy to play, and it's going back to that, you know, that mantic ethos of you know, getting on the gaming table, uh, accessible, affordable, fun, fast, strategic, um, and then uh, yeah, so we're really excited about that. We've got a top secret project that we're working on that's just, it's it's a recruit. I think the hardcore gamers will just enjoy it, demolish it, and I hope it will act as a great recruiter. Okay. To bring toy soldiers to a whole new audience. So mm, I'm curious. Mm, that's, uh, that's I may have to beg you for info yeah, off the air. I'll sign my can, NDA. Yeah, I just want to hear it. It's going to take one of those. There's, <laughs> no, there's nothing signed yet, but we have some really interesting conversations about trying to go into that space where we can recruit people because that's one of the challenges of our hobby is we've got to keep making toy soldiers accessible to new people because otherwise they'll all play card games and they'll never know how much fun that... You know, I've had and you've had and, and so many of us have had playing playing war games. Exactly. So, um, back to Warpath. When, when, any idea when uh, yeah, this is Yeah, I think it's rearing up. I mean, I think if we'd had a real big negative feedback, we'd have had to go out to the drawing board. But those who loved it, but there was two camps. Those who loved it and those who wanted a skirmish. So, well, simple. Let's do a skirmish thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do both. The answer is not either or, it's both. So, I think September, I think Chris is, you know, looking at September, Stuart's getting his stuff ready. We want to clear out the ones we've got. We want people to get their toys, see the plastics, dead zone, we want it well on the way, we want to got that tested and being in layout and finished so we can be shipping that in November so people can be testing that. But yeah, I think, get on with it. I'd love to launch it summer next year. Okay. Which means it's got to be kind of out in the next few months so we can get it tooled and get it finished. All right. So it also means we can then have a real sci-fi run. Nice. But because we've already got the epistles, we've already got nature, um, then 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 they're going. So we, we're, not, we're never going to stop looking at Kings of War. I'm thinking that we may not need to go back to Kings of War to Kickstarter for a long time. If it can go to that next scale, I would love to just start putting units out in plastic, in metal, Every single month, something new each month. We've got a, a crossover army book coming out, so anybody that's playing that might have a Ratman army or a, a, you know a, a, other types of armies, mm-hmm. um, historical armies, they can look at this crossover book and suddenly they've got a whole book that's dedicated to their units and their armies. And if you are playing it, and I'm talking to the listeners right now, if you are playing it and you are enjoying it and you decide you want to get the book, talk to your local gaming store, at least to stock the book. At yeah, least well, get the book It's not stocked. a big buy in that. Yeah. What, we've, what we're going to do, actually, we're working to a lot of them, is we're all going to ask the retailers to stock for Warpath, uh, for Kings of War, and later for Warpath. Book mm-hmm. and the army sets. 
Oh, just the, the, yeah. oh, so the, so the. So if you're not a miniature store, just stock these ten lines, because if someone comes in that wants it, that's what we're going to start with. Because it's such good value, it's eighty five dollars, and you're going to get hundred figures or eighty figures or thirty figures or whatever it is, and a book. And you don't need to have ten or fifteen different uh, the SKUs little, yeah, for correct. each army. And if you're a miniature store, stay the army books. You know the army boxes, the books, and our top twenty five selling. $25 sets. So, the Dwarf Cavalry. No one does that. People love that. They're great fun. The Golems, the things that aren't in the army set, the obvious add-ons, but actually there's only 20, 25 of them. And if you want that Dwarf Hero on Brock, order it from your distributor, order it from us, it'll be there in three days. It'll be there on your next order. There you, you go. Know, just hold those lines in stock, those recruiter lines, the two-player sets, the army sets, hold those in stock. You're looking at a, what, a four foot, a basic, yeah, yeah. a basic four one foot. Tray, one, yeah. one, one or two shells. Yeah, and you can you can get the the people that are interested in doing it. That's how they'll come in. Yeah, and you can stock the recruiter range. And if they want something, you know what? Your distributor holds it. We'll hold it. And we're talking to others about holding five of each of those other sets. So that they they order it up next week. I've got a delivery coming in with some comics. Can I have that, please? Right. And we're going to try and get a catalog done. That reflects that, so people can go and I, in and go. These are the terms; we can get it sorted out. And I'm only bringing that up because I'm seeing a lot on Twitter and stuff of people playing it and really enjoying it, and they're going to start having Kings of War nights at their game shops. Yep. And I'm the type of guy my my local game store when I go in there and I play, I want to at least pick up a couple pots of painters. You yeah, want to you yeah, want to yeah, support them? They've got, got to support them, and that's yeah. categorically. We as a business want to do eighty percent of our business through our local gaming stores. Right. Yeah. The Kickstarter. We use the money to kickstart the range. And I'm saying with Kings of War, if we can now get this onto shelves and get it out there in a meaningful way and we can start recruiting and people can start coming over as they do with a hobby, it's word of mouth, and I'll do it this week and I've run into the game and it comes across. If we can do that, all the releases will just come straight out to your local gaming store. So if you like the look of that new unit or that new army, go and get it there. Well, how fantastic is that? So we're supporting those. And the only times we're going to go back to Kickstarter is when we've got a whole new game premise and we want to go from zero to kind of critical mass. Well, I was talking about that with a friend because we were, they were talking about how they can't find a lot of it at their local game store. It's mostly Kickstarters. And I said, listen, and I remember talking about this. I said, dude, they got, that's a, they're 20 people. That's a 20-man company. It's not like they're yeah. running this huge And we can company. hold it in our warehouse yeah. and it can be in your gaming store. If we've got yeah. a catalog that just says, if you want any of this, just order it. It'll be on your next order. Exactly. We'll hold it for you. I don't expect to hold 200 lines for that slower stuff. But if you could just hold the army books and the two-player sets, they will turn every month because people are starting to come in and going, hey, I want to play Dreadball, I want to play this. All those core lines, and then later on when they're in, you can just have that. Or you, if you're going to run a say, let's say, hey, I'm going to run a Dreadball tournament for the next three months, bring in a load of teams then. We sell them in ones. So well, you have one on each team, it's 24 teams, they're eight bucks, each, ten, I don't know, Bama, it's 200 bucks. Yep. <laughs> and suddenly people ah, pick one of those up I want to play a new team before the tournament kicks off so we want to support the retailers categorically we want to support the retailers well because Unique Gifts and Games that's my local store they sponsor the show as well and they have actually asked uh, within the next like two months we're going to be doing a show from the store we're going to set up cool. a game day and that's one of the things we're going to have we're going to have that Kings of War demo going on yep. and just people who are showing up are just going to you know friends of ours are going to come in so we're going to be talking a lot about it live playing it 
feedback right after the game. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Now, I know we're running out of time here. I've had you for a little bit longer than you promised. Well, I, I do, I do it every year. I, I do it. It's, it you, I, 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 I don't need an excuse to talk about you know, our games, do I? So. I think you scheduled more time for me than we asked for, knowing I was going to run late anyway, because we do it every time. But, Ronnie, thank you so much for My coming. Pleasure. I really appreciate it. And, uh, let's talk and, about um, stuff. and I will see you here next year, partner. All right, thanks. Okay, so that was the interview with Ronnie at Gen Con, and here it is a week or so after Gen Con, and we're back again with Johnny P. Johnny, thanks for coming no, on the show. No, it's Ronnie. Hey. <laughs> hey, you still got Ronnie here. Oh, I, I didn't leave. You can't get rid of me that quick, right? <laughs> no, what's up, Dave? I'm glad to be here. Hey, thanks for coming on. So, yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know, Johnny not only uh, does uh, – all sorts of stuff, Mantic and the Mantic North American radio uh, podcast. Uh, but he's also main guy from the Slurpcast there. What up, Sean? Yeah, so Slurpcast, a Blood Bowl podcast, been around a while. Um, you know, we're not everyone's cup of tea, and we're okay with that. You know, we're no Garage Hammer. <laughs> yeah. Or is this, is this Garage Gamer? Uh, well, it's still Garage Hammer, but we're we're gamer in this episode. I'm, I'm not doing too many gamers. I'm incorporating everything into the main show now, but. Ronnie's a friend, Hammers so okay. Ronnie's a uh, Ronnie's a special friend, so he's getting his own special episode. So, yeah, yeah. Ronnie's a good dude. I mean, where else do you see a CEO of a game company talk to fans and also crit- uh, criticizers? I guess is that a word? Critics um, on, on Facebook, you know, <laughs> like somebody like, oh, I'm waiting for this, but it's like, no problem. I'll get right on that, and he'll tag one of his warehouse guys to go and like fetch his order, like. Where else do you see that kind of stuff? So that kind of drew me to Mantic initially, that, that, that sort of customer service level. Yeah, I was drawn to them back when they were still just the alternate miniatures line because their zombies and their ghouls are so nice. Yeah, that's actually where I first saw them too. So I was playing Warhammer Fantasy and a friend of mine was playing Undead. And I said, where'd you get those zombies from? He's like, oh, it's a company called Mantic. And they were pretty badass. Cut to five years later and we're on the second edition of the game that was built out, you know, sort of for those models it was like we got the models let's make a game yeah i love the story about that i remember when that when that when that first came out when alessio was writing those rules and ronnie's yeah we're sitting around having a drink it's uh alessio i bet you can't write a rule set in less than 20 pages bet i can yeah and there they go now they've got this game second edition's coming out uh, and we will be talking a little kings of war in just a bit but dude i am so excited in fact i i'm just sitting here uh on my phone in between uh recording bits here and i just got the email from mantic saying that uh the uh kickstarters for uh dungeon saga yeah they should be shipping well the people who had that with the dreadball extreme those are all uh they're all out so starting uh monday the uh kings of war kickstarters are going to be heading out yeah, Kings of War uh, will be shipping. Uh, Dreadball Extreme, the final wave of that will be shipping. And then after all those are out, then Dungeon Saga orders will be shipping. In fact, Dreadball Extreme and Kings of War will be shipping together for a lot of people. Um, and that was just 
you know, two, two Kickstarters going out at the same time, you, you might as well save a couple of bucks. And also, it's not just saving some money. It's the way I look at it, too, is if you've ever ordered anything from overseas, stuff happens sometimes. Either it's gone completely, or which is rare, or it gets held up for a while. So I'd rather have one box than two. I, oh, you know, exactly. If the difference is only a week or two in shipping times, fine. I'll take the second wave or whatever you want to call it, put them all in one box, and it, I think it'll help out in general, especially for people in the U.S., yeah, exactly. So, uh, the Dungeon Saga. Um, this is a dungeon crawl. I've mm-hmm. I've heard it compared to Descent, but not as one. You know the the one. You know, not as uh, you know the one guy playing against everybody. Well, that that's still an element, you know. And I've played a good amount of Descent as well. I've played a bunch of Warhammer Quest back in the day, Hero Quest, that kind of stuff, and even some of these other dungeon crawl adventures. Um, dungeon Saga seems to take bits and pieces from everything. Um, it is a classic dungeon crawler, so I could compare it mostly with Warhammer Quest. You've oh, got yeah. your, your barbarian, your dwarf, your wizard, and your elf archer. And the first adventure that's in the box, like when you get the box set, which is 80 bucks, by the way, and it comes in a cool book. I was joking, by the way, at, at Gen Con. I was demoing it for people. Um, we had a demo copy of theirs. It wasn't for sale, but a demo copy. And I show them the box, and I was like, normally I don't really get excited about a box. But this one I put on my shelf. People think I read a book of this size, and immediately I've got some, <laughs> some cred. You know? No, it's a, yeah. it's, it is sweet. It's, yeah, it's it, the, 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 the box that looks like a giant tome. Yeah, totally. What was, that, was, what was the video tomb, game? Tomb, and someone corrected me. I'm like, yeah, it's this huge tomb. They're like, it's a tome. I'm like, <laughs> but you're right. It's not a tomb. It sounds stupid, but that's what I said. Well, you're going through a tomb. You are but it's actually packed in a tome. So the first adventure. Good point. Um, that's a good tie-in. The first adventure that's in the box is against Mortibris, the necromancer, and his minions. So zombies, skeletons, um, an undead dwarf warrior, a zombie troll. They're all there fighting each of these adventures, and eventually you get to the end. And you know, not a, not a spoiler alert, but eventually you get to the end, and hopefully, and you fight against uh, Mortibus the Necromancer and all that. When you're done with that game, a few months after, you'll be able to get the next box set, which I believe is the Abyssals. So yes. that'll be the chaos-looking, demonic-looking guys. And I think now don't quote me on these, but I think the third one will be the Dragon. You saw that on display at John Count, this big, uh, hard plastic green dragon. That thing was sweet. Yeah. And then the last one will be against the orcs, I believe. They might change the order, but I'm pretty sure that's what the last I heard was the, uh, the orcs will be the fourth one. I got to tell you, as someone who's been, I mean, the last four years I've been at Gen Con and I've been you know, talking with Ronnie. They've been sponsoring the show. And just to see, like, just the size of their booth getting bigger, but just even the quality of the models. I mean, I remember being there for the original... You know, for the very first stuff they had for Kings of War out there. And then you get there and you're looking at these different models and the new stuff and everything's coming out. And then you had this, this, the the Dungeon Saga boxer with with that giant green. I'm like, wow, these are really nice. It's definitely come a long way. You know, there were, it's kind of funny the difference. I don't know what you want to call it, kind of the evolution of, of the models. But you've got early on, like we talked about the, the days with the zombies that came out, which one of the, one of the first sprues, probably like 2010 maybe, right. 2009, 2010. Um, hard plastic, very cool. And then 
as Kings of War got their first set of rules, every army got a hard plastic set of core troops. Not necessarily the elite guys, so you're going to get the regular orc axe guys, but not the trolls, for example. They're going to be in a, a resin plastic, or a rustic, as some people call it. Yep. And so the quality of the resin plastic, the rustic has gotten better, too, because if you look at... In the later Dreadball releases, the quality got better. Mars Attacks got better. And that now that started I, – I, it's kind of funny. Like if, if you're into science, you can really study how, how the Mantic miniature line has Evolved. changed. Yeah. And you could ha- you can play a game of how many elements of the periodic table have gone in there because <laughs> the Mars Attacks ones are more like the Fantasy Flight plastics, um, which are sort of plastic rubbery. Right. They bend, they bend, but then they bend back. And the cool thing about that is, which I enjoy, just like the rustic, you can put it under hot water and get different poses out of guys. Yeah. And so I took some of my orc um, um, gore riders, like they're like boar riders basically, and I can make them different poses just by a little bit of tweak under hot water because it's the resin plastic and that'll – you can heat that up a little bit. So it's kind of cool to see them go from hard plastic core troops – but maybe not a lot of options, you know, nowhere near like a GW sprue at this point. I mean, right, look at the right. timeline too. I mean, it's taken them what, 30 years to come up with, a, you know, some of these multi-part guys they do. So, but it went from a hard plastic option, which I always, I mean, hard plastic is my number one choice because I can use plastic cement and I can cut stuff up and do some cool conversions. Then you get to the rustic, more elite type troopers and leaders and then some metal thrown in here and there for really some main characters and then they're starting to retool other plastics. And so Dungeon Saga, if we can come full circle to that, you crack that box open, they're all put together already. There's no assembly required. And it's like a hard plastics composite type thing. I don't actually know if plastic glue works on those because I've never had to glue anything. The models are already assembled. Exactly. Um, but the quality is amazing. And if you were at Gen Con, you got to see it. If you didn't see it... Um, I think um, there's a video from Bella Lost Souls where they were at the Mantic booth interviewing. I'm in the background when Ronnie's talking. And they can hear me coughing because, of course, I got sick there. I'm like, oh man, that's on that's on record. Me coughing up a storm. <laughs> but, um, they, they got picture or shots of the booth with the dragon we're talking about, the undead, the abyssals, all the different enemies, and also the four heroes for Dungeon Saga. And the, the quality is amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on my copy, which hopefully will be coming uh, in, you know within a few weeks from recording here. Yeah, I know Harrison's asking me about it. Dad, when is that game coming with the, with the big book? I'm like, we're going to get it. Don't worry. Yeah, he's going to dig it. So do you want me to touch on gameplay a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Because okay. you know what? It reminds, it's so funny because you said you start off with the, the Barbarian, the Elf, the Wizard. What was that old, uh, what was that old uh, arcade game? Oh, like Gauntlet? Gauntlet, that's it. I always think of Gauntlet when I when I when I see the when I see the set start for this. Yeah, a friend of mine's email address was Warrior Needs Food at whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Gauntlet it was awesome. And <laughs> all the different incarnations was awesome too. As it got to the newer systems, it was still the four player dungeon crawl style, just better graphics. Yep. <coughs> so what do we got going here with uh okay. with uh Dungeon Saga. So in Dungeon Saga, when you crack it open, the first adventure is also a training game. So there's not really any wasted time. There's not like a, all right, well, learn this first and go to this. Now, there is some advanced rules, but the first adventure you play is actually showing you how to move and how to fight. So the first adventure, very simple. It's like four or five tiles long. You've got the barbarian and the dwarf, the two fighters, and you learn how to move how to fight, and you're going to kill a couple of uh, a couple of skeletons, 
and they're going to, some of them are going to come back because you might chop them down. They turn into a pile of bones. And then I get that the, the overlord character, which we'll talk about in a second, how it's similar to like we were just talking about to a descent style. He can revive some of them or some of them are just completely dust. You know, if you really, if that dwarf took the hammer and really annihilated that skeleton, now nah, it ain't coming back. Um, if it's just sort of, you know, partially, what do you call it? Like uh, mostly dead, right? you know, kind of on him. Um, then yeah, he can come back. And the mission there is the barbarian and the dwarf get to the end of that corridor and knock the door down. It's a, uh, a bolted door. They got to knock it down to get to the next one. The overlord. So that's the game master. He still has to achieve an objective. So if you're playing this game and you're running it, you still have a mission what to do. And that mission is to, they don't really say kill. Cause if you get down to like, there's a certain wound level, like the barbarian, he could take four before he gets into out of action. Um, Whereas the dwarf could take five before he gets out of action. The overlord's job is to basically take one of the two out of action. And then he wins that adventure. Okay. I don't know storyline wise, if it'll alter anything. So like in descent, cause I, you know, I, I've played it for a while. Descent, when the Overlord wins, you play different adventures. And when the Warriors win, you play different adventures. So there was sort of a, a different path you go. What I found personally from running those games, this is not, you know, Mantic's opinion. This is my, what I found personally from Descent was, yes, I was the Overlord and I had missions to do. But if I won like three games in a row, all of a sudden, hey, uh, Johnny, I can't make it in tonight. I'm like, okay, I thought so. You know, because... <laughs> You know, your job is still there to make the other people have a good time. It's still a part of it. Right. So that's that element is is in Dungeon Saga. You know, you're trying to win, but ultimately you want to see the warriors achieve. You want them to struggle, like any like a good role playing game. You want them to struggle and go through some stuff, but ultimately you want them to get to the next adventure, just not easily. So that's the 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 method I take. But really, that's how the game plays. And that the first mission is just that. You go to the second adventure, and now you've got the elf archer and the wizard showing you how to do magic from the wizard and shooting from the archer. So now you've learned the game mechanics while doing your missions. Cool. And you get to the third one, and it's more of a normal game. You get the four, and you get more tiles, more bad guys, and then you actually got to you get to play it out full on. And at that point... You can do the game how you want to do it. If you want to play them as one-off board games, that's cool. If you want to build up and have your characters level up of sorts, you can do that too. It's it's really up to you. And I like that because I could go into work and bring a couple of you know have a couple of guys come over from the office that aren't gamers. They're not going to really. They're never going to play Kings of War. You know what I mean? Right. But they'll, they'll roll some dice. Like yeah, I'll, I'll kill these guys because they're because they're used to playing. Gold, or I was going to say Golden Axe, same, similar game, Gauntlet. Yeah, you know, wow. Same game. Same game. And, You're uh, dating us, man. Yeah, a little bit. Genesis was still pretty awesome, just saying. Yep. Uh, but yeah, they're going to play that. So there's different versions of how you want to play, depending on how detailed you want to get. Very uh, cool. Yeah, and, and gameplay-wise, it's a little different mechanic. So you've got a, a number of attack dice that your character rolls, I think the dwarf rolls four dice and the barbarian rolls five. That's for offense or defense. And skeletons, I'm rolling usually like two dice. And all you do, it's, 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 it's going to be a little tough to visualize uh, you know, over a podcast, but you're basically taking your top roll and lining the rolls against each other. So if you roll, if you get the barbarian, let's just say dwarf, there's four rolls. 
you you have the dwarf and you roll a, a five, a three, a two, and a one. And I've got the skeleton and I roll a, a five and a one. All right, so we put the, the highest next to each other and I it was equal or above yours, so I block that one. Okay. If I rolled a four as my highest, it would have went through as a wound. But I, 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 I uh, negated your five. And your then next three one beats was the one. Three beats the one, that goes through. And then you had a two, which would not go through because my armor is two. But if you had another three, that would go through and I'd be dead. I, and I would have no more defense dice. So, yeah, more dice is obviously better. That's why the barbarian gets five. It but it's works. a simple system. It's just Very roll your dice, line them up. I mean, seriously, I, one of the things I'm looking forward to is my daughters, my 12-year-old can totally play this. I could let my 9-year-old even sit there and you know have a guy and roll some dice, and she can line up the dice next to each other and figure it out just as anybody else. Yeah, I had a kid come by the booth twice in one day. I had, I'm, I'm guessing he was about 9. And um, it, it was funny. His, his head almost got above the, our riser. So I'm like, how do you even Ooh. see? You know, it was like um, – he was trying to play, and I'm like, felt bad. I wish there was like a, a stool or something. He's trying to play, and we got this huge pillar. But he was getting it. He, he got the rules, you know. And not not every little nuance, but that that's for the game master or the overlord to worry about. He knew what to do with his barbarian guy. Roll dice, and you and you match up numbers. And then once a game, you get a heroic feat. Barbarian could take a swipe at everybody, kind of a berserker thing. Uh, the dwarf has a thing where I think we just he just ignores a bunch of armor, kind of like a hulking up type thing. So it's a simple set of rules, but it's still fun for even the more advanced gamer because it, there's still the elements of building up and having adventures linked together that, you know, you and I would like. Exactly. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have more fun linking it and building it and growing it. Like I was even talking with Ronnie, the fact that you've got, after you get through a few levels, if you want, you can replace your barbarian with the fur loincloth and an axe to the fully armored barbarian lord yeah i saw that the the legendary characters yeah so yeah there's an expansion pack where you could get the versions with um armor and better weapons and they also look older too yeah so i was i noticed the the necromancer which i call him christopher lambert because he looks like christopher lambert <laughs> yes, he and, does. Like, for, for my highlander side game you know i'm working on <laughs> i'm not <laughs> um that version of the of Mortibris, the legendary one, he's got a bunch of wrinkles and he ends up looking more emperor looking. And it's just kind of cool that you don't usually see that in games. You know, even the other dungeon crawlers, you have your character, it's your character. And it's already one step above a traditional RPG because you have a visual, you have a miniature. But to actually have another version, that's kind of cool. I think that helps to appeal to a tabletop gamer more so than a... Than a uh, a role play guy. Um, so yeah, and Dungeon Saga's got that. So I'm excited to. I played a ton of the the first adventure at Gen Con, demoing it for people. I'd like to now play the other ones because I I think I you know I've I've knocked the door down or had people knock the door down about 50 times already. I right. get it. The door's down. <laughs> the door's Next down. adventure. So I'm waiting for my copy to come any day now. It's a blast. I think that again, it's going to appeal to everybody. The miniature quality is great. Um, the furniture looks really cool. You got. Tables, doors, treasure chests. Yeah, Yeah. dude, I was totally, yeah, I was picking up some of that as the extra add-ons because I'm like, oh, I know I'm getting this, but I want to add some of this on for my little display boards and stuff. Yeah, great for display boards. And I don't I might actually, at some point, I might invest in one of those Dwarven Forge dungeons, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, Those are, I mean, obviously they're ridiculously expensive. The only guy I know who has one is also a doctor, so... It was it was no issue for him to. Well, see, I actually went and I bought the. Uh, I have fifty pounds of uh, 
of the uh, you know the powder to make uh, make molds, and I bought all those Herstarts molds. Oh, see, I would love to do that too. I just didn't, you know, that's something that uh, did you work on it yet or no? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I was using it to build some uh, some of my display boards for Warhammer Fantasy, and then I had to put it all aside because after spending God knows how many hours finding the little twenty mil square base and making. Mm-hmm. You know, the full mold to get the one twenty millimeter square they have because all of them, all other ones are larger. Then drilling them out and putting in the little dwarf thing so I could do custom bases for my dwarfs, all my little square twenty mil bases. Awesome. Yeah. Now I don't now, but I don't use the twenty mil square bases for uh, AOS anymore. So I made one set. and I'm like, oh, now I got to find round bases. So I've got the square ones for my dwarfs, and I'm going to keep them for. Um, I'm going to have these separate my mantic dwarf army for Kings of War. I'm going to put them all on the custom. Stuff, yeah, yeah, and that's so. a cool aspect. When we we can definitely touch on that too, um, um, in, in a few. But I think um, it's nice that if you want to, you're playing Dungeon Saga, and let's say you paint up uh, your barbarian or dwarf and it looks really cool. Why don't you use them as a hero in your Kings of War army? You can do that. It's the same universe. Everything carries over. Exactly. Uh, there's no reason I'm not going to take my zombie troll from that uh, Dungeon Saga box set and not use them. In my uh, war, or my um, Kings of War army, my undead army. So I mean, it well, definitely it's a good crossover there. And Harrison mentioned he's like, "Oh look, Dad, you're going to get some more zombies and some more skeletons." I'm like, "I'm not building those." He's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "I'm just going to take the ones I already have for my undead army. I'm, yeah. the, I'm like, just pop those right in. They're painted and ready to go. Yeah, painted, ready to go. And um, yeah, it's it's cool because you, you can sort of do whatever you want. And if you want to, like, I I can easily see when I get my copy of Dungeon Saga. I might want to take it further, like I do with a lot of games, and sort of develop your own stories. And I think there's 13 adventures in the rule book, and um, 13 or 14. So yeah, I might do, you know, a few more after that on my own. We'll see, or I might that might be enough to tide me over until the next expansion comes out. Um, but I just think it's kind of cool to have a, uh, I don't know, a nice classic dungeon crawler. It's something that Ronnie joked about, but it's actually true that there's a lot of companies making games like this. But they all have some kind of twist, you know, like maybe they're like Chibi, the big head guys. I think it's that Arcadia Quest does that. Right. right? right. Um, you know, Descent is like outside a lot of times. It's, you know, I think it's kind of cool in a way to do a throwback, you know, much like some consider Kings of War a throwback to Warhammer, like a, like a seventh kind of throwback. Yeah. Dungeon yeah, so Saga to me is sort of, of yeah. Yeah, so six maybe. Um, Dungeon Saga to me is sort of like a throwback to a Warhammer Quest, and I, I definitely dig that element of it. You know, in an era where everyone likes retro games, um, you, you've got a retro concept, but done in a modern way with very cool models. I, I think it's going to do well. Um, you know, again, it's um, you can pre-order on the website. I think it's uh, it's eighty bucks. And there's about 26, 27 models in it, all the doors, a bunch of cards. And as they build up, you can use that. And it's just a, it's a cool set. It's definitely something that if you've got a small group and you're looking for a nice adventure for everybody, or if you're looking to have something that's either for kids or novice gamers, this is the perfect uh, gateway drug of sorts into the Absolutely. universe. Also, check with your local game store because if they don't necessarily have it, they might be able to order it. And it's not bad to start getting... These things coming in through supporting your local game store and uh, you know getting the word out through the through your local game store, getting the groups up that way. Yeah, I think um, I I think this will do well at the local store level. Like um, this is something that there's no reason this tome 
right? Tome. Tome. Yes. <laughs> There's yes. no reason this tome wouldn't be on the shelf next to their whole like fantasy flight section at your local store. It should be because that's what this this game is. Oh sure. So, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me honestly to see this, you know, six months down the road at like you know in the Barnes and Noble game section. Like it, it could be there. It really could be. And it's um, complete unto itself. Like, yeah. you can get expansions and things like that, but the game is complete unto itself, which makes it an easy purchase, you know, yeah. as a game. I'd like so. to see this one. I mean, above all else, above all other Mantic games, I would like to see this one at, at all the different stores, including, like, you know, toy stores, you know, bookstores, where they have just games. You're going to see Settlers there. Why wouldn't you see this there? I'm not asking for Kings of War to show up at you know at that down that aisle, but I, I could I could see Dungeon Saga because it is that kind of game. So I hope that you know from a distributor level uh, that kind of thing, people take advantage of it when your store take advantage. So if you're interested, definitely you know talk to your store owner or manager and let them know. And if he gets enough, maybe they'll start doing an order. And hey, if they want to do that order for me through me, feel free. I wouldn't mind helping them out. Just saying. There you go. There you go. What's your contact info? Throw it um, out there, Johnny. Hit me up on Twitter at JP4Media, JP, the number four, media. Otherwise, email uh, J-P-E-L-E-T-I-S, jpoletis at gmail.com. There you go. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of an in-between. I'm a, you know, I do demo games for Mantic, but I also do some part-time sales, and it's great because I just like talking to stores and asking them, I, I let them lead. I do the whole less is more approach. I was like, all right, so what do you think about Kings of War? What do you know about it? Well, you know, I heard this. And I let them, if they want to do a rant, feel free. If they want to not, if they just want to talk about it, like I played it first, that's fine. I just like to get people's opinions so I can sort of steer them to a, a good solution. And Dungeon Saga appeals to everybody. So I, I, I can't wait for it. It's been uh, a long time coming, you know, from when I first heard about this game in the works to actually finally, you know, getting it in my hands will be nice. Exactly. So let's switch gears here and talk about Kings of War. With uh, with the coming of the Age of Sigmar, we've got a lot of people that have been telling people now only for three years to try this game. Oh, no, it's not going to be any good. Oh, wait, should I try it now? Yes, try it now. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not one of those people who are going on. I mean, you get this. You get. I mean, I know there's. You got some real Mantic fanboys out there. We've got a few people who you can't mention. And I'm looking for to, Kings of War. Have you heard of Kings of War? Have you tried Kings of War? Kings of War. Kings of War. Kings of War. Hey, I love Kings of War, but some of these people are maniacs about it. Um, yeah, it's. Um, you know, the funny thing with that is, um, right now, it, it's a very Mantic's got a very open arms approach. Um, almost like uh, it reminds me of. Um, like a church that opens up in a strip mall, you know, that's like, listen, yeah. we'll take it. We'll take anybody right now. Like, just come on over. We don't care where you're from. Well, and- they just released. Uh, in fact, you can go to the website and download. <laughs> they've come up. They've got, uh, you know, they've got lists that this, like they're, they, you know, they've got a lot of play testers uh, in, in the community. And they've finally got some lists and some point values for armies that they don't necessarily have in, in Mantica in their in their world yet, but their armies for there's a you know a, you know I forget what they call the guys for beast okay. men, but and the dust people and let stuff. me let me touch on that a bit. So um, first off, manticgames.com you can download the core rulebook, the basics for free, 100 percent free. The only thing it's missing, and I'm just going to be very clear about it. You know, it's it's enough to play. Um, it's there's no scenarios in there. Because you're basically just going to play kill each other. Um, there's five other missions in the main rulebook, so you're missing that. And then you're also getting about 75% of the army list. Not 
75% of the races, but 75% of each army list. So if you look up the, if you download the dwarf army list, you might not have uh, the iron watch, but you've got the three other dwarf core troops or something. Well, uh, enough to play. That's totally free. So at this point, you know, stop this recording. Discuss with your class. Um, at this point, <laughs> there's no reason to not go download it right now. And bust out a, a, a already existing fantasy army in your home and give it a try because they're free. Um, apart from that, though, yeah. So the main rulebook will be coming out uh, August 22nd, I believe. Uh, if it's not at your store, you can have them order it. We'd love to see stores do pre-orders. It's not too late to, to get them on that. Otherwise, the website. 40 bucks for the hardcover. It has the fluff with it. 25 bucks for the soft cover with still all the rules, just no fluff. And it's actually bigger than I thought. That's what she said. Um, it's a, a you know comic book size, but oh, actually more like a, like a trade paperback. But it's about that like uh, thickness too. Um, that's twenty five bucks. Like where can you you know where can you get a rule book for that? Um, there's also a deluxe version. You get the hardcover and the soft cover and all the new counters and templates and all that kind of stuff for eighty bucks. That's a good one to split with a friend. You know if you're if you got somebody you want to go in with. Someone takes the hardback, someone takes the softback, and you both use the counters. Um, so, yeah, so that's coming out soon. But the new races. So the cool thing about Mantic is, and again, I, yeah, I'm biased a little bit, but, I mean, you have to admit this is kind of kind of a cool uh, way to do things. Um, second edition was coming out anyway. It was not timed for Age of Sigmar. It was not timed for that. Um, it was coming out anyway. But with that said, what is sort of a, um, a byproduct of, of, of what GW is doing is, well, you need a place to play in those, quote, forgotten armies. And I think the, I think the book's going to be called Forgotten Empires, I think is going to be the name of the book. Okay. Uh, or Unknown Empire. I think Forgotten Empires. And it's kind of, kind of funny because it is kind of like that. Um, you got a Skaven army. There is a Ratkin list available to download. It's actually on the Mantic site right now. That was the first one uploaded. All of them are on the Mantic forum. So if you go to manticforum.com and the Kings of War section, they're all there. They're just at the beta level right now, so there might be some tweaks before it gets to the final copy, but they're pretty close. Um, there's the Ratkin list. There is the Herd, H-E-R-D, which is a Beastman-like army. The Empires of Dust, which is a very Egyptian-type undead army. You may have seen such a thing before. Just, just saying. And um, the League of Rordia, which is a halfling-inspired army. Those are the four that are out there now. On the way, you're going to see a reptilian army. You're going to see an evil human, sort of chaosy type army. Um, you're going to see a Viking Norseman army. There's going to be, I think, two more other ones that are still under wraps uh, that I don't even really know necessarily much on them um, apart from that. So look, that's kind of cool that these armies, they might not make it into the Mantic Fluff. Okay, Mantic's got a universe called Mantica, and it's the it's like you know their world. I don't know if these armies were going to make it into that world or not. They might. It might actually be a campaign type thing where they make it in. But as of right now, it's more about legal army list to play, not just with your friends, but actually at Mantic official tournaments. You could show up to a Clash of Kings tournament, which is the term for one of our uh, larger Kings War tournaments. And show up with a herd army list and bring your beastman army there. One hundred percent legal. Um, once the once the rules become official, but um, yeah, one hundred percent legal. 
And I think that's awesome. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's very much a, you know, some could say, well, well, um, you know, when you have to get to copy something, it's like, well, it's not, it, it's letting you use your stuff. I mean, I, what would you rather it not exist? Like, I mean, it could, it, we could just first edition didn't have any of those armies. Um, and then the second edition book doesn't happen. This is more like a try out the rules. They're free. Use your existing army. And if, and if there's no correlation to a romantic army in the past, well, now there is like, it can't be easier to try out a game, especially when there's no cost to you. It's just, exactly. your, your you know, and the games take, once you know the rules, the games take an hour and a half. You could play it with a chess timer. In fact, that's what we do at the, King, the Clash of Kings tournaments because all the rolling and moving and everything's done on your own turn. So this is something that was huge to me. Um, Kings of War wasn't the first Manta game I got into. Dreadball was. So it took me a little bit of time to, to really want to get back into playing battle games. I, I actually sold a lot of my Warhammer stuff off. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm only playing skirmish games, board games. I'm done. And uh, I tried it out. And I realized, okay, right off the bat, on a sort of competitive level, I'm not going to get screwed by a time waster. That was a big thing for me because I oh, play yeah, games yeah. pretty fast. No slow playing going on here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm bad and fast. I'm not, you know, like I'm not good. I just play fast. And, <laughs> and I got, I get slow play. I get slow played in, in 40k. I got slow played in fantasy, and that doesn't exist. You run out of time, that screws you, and your game is over, and you lose if you run out of time. Not me. So after you hit your turn, you hit, you hit the chess timer and you're done and all the rolling's done on your turn. The most I'll have to ask of my opponent is, what's your defense? Because it's like a toughness that the other, the other army has or the other – Or what's uh, your nerve, yeah. Or your nerve, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but really at that, I mean it's – yeah, what, what, what's your nerve? What's your defense? And after you do it once, you're going to know anyway and you might even know anyway just from knowing the armies because they're all in one book. You, know, you, know, you don't need more than one book to play. And – the beauty of that is you just it's just smooth. It just keeps going. In fact, just um, what's today Wednesday? Just Monday night at um, at Gaming Goat in Chamber, where we play some of our games. Um, Max, do you know Max Perez? Do you know him? I um, think so. He used to work at the bunker back in the old days, right? And um, he, he goes to Dragstar. He's uh, you know was a longtime Warhammer player. He played his first Kings of War game. He brought his Beastmen out. So we sat down. We worked up an army list first. What, what counts as what? Okay, this fits as this. This can be this. Okay, I'll use this as this. And um, so he had the um, his uh, Gorgon out there as a uh, Great Ox, I think it's called, or um, something like that. And we figured it all out, and we played. And he didn't know the rules. That took longer than a normal game, but we played it out. He won, technically. So, hey, when you do a demo game, you got to let the guy win, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and it was just a – he's like, man, I love this. He's like, I'm going to talk to Dan at Dragstar and start getting like, we're already on top of it. We got a tournament at the end of uh, August uh, already set up over there. So the beauty of it is after one game, a longtime fantasy player was like, all right, I'm in, man. Like, this is pretty badass. And that just that alone is what I like to see. Just the sort of a um, what happened to me was a, a rekindling of uh, of enjoyment for a large scale fantasy battle game. And that's right. what it was. So I, I definitely – I love seeing that. It's very much – that's probably the best thing I could see when I show someone the game Kings of War is at the game, when the game's over. Like, what do you think? And they're like, I love it. It plays out like a battle like this should have played out. Like if you're watching this battle in a movie or reading it in a book, this is how it plays out. And I didn't have to open the rule book once or maybe once or twice at the most. And I love that kind of stuff. 
and they really went through and and you know it it doesn't have some of the customizability if there is such a word that you would have had your with with your eighth ed fantasy you know you can't take all your characters and trick them out this way that way and the other way um they pretty much come stock standard you do have a list of magic items uh yeah, some of them you can give and you can give one it's it's one item so you can very give, simple what you you get the whole list just get one of it for your whole army but you can give it to units too so there's a magic item it's 45 points it's a lot of points in the game it's called the brew of sharpness it's plus one to hit in melee now if the unit only costs you know 80 points and it's a small little unit probably not a good buy but what i do what a lot of people do is you start to sort of get that um you know it's like the uh coupon you know kind of like a money saving kind of option you take a horde so and that horde might be a horde of um a foot guard like elite knights that are Hitting on threes. When they're already hitting on threes, yeah. And then I'll, no, no, I'll take that on them. It's like getting more for your money. So that's a 45-point magic item, but you're using it on, quote, 40 guys or a base that represents 40 guys. Now that's a good value. So, yeah, the magic items allow some customization. The magic items also, what I found, it helps you carry over models that maybe didn't have a purpose before. So I've got in my undead army, I've got, uh, you know that, um, it's a fantasy model, that sort of flying wraith lord guy with the big um, big scythe he's got. Um, right, right, right. So I got him in my army. He's like clearly in the air, but the I want to use the stat line of a cursed pharaoh in my undead army because it's the, it's the best character. It's a six defense. He's awesome. But he's not flying. He's on foot. Hmm, how do I make this work? Okay, I'll give him this magic item. It's 40 points. And it's called the Wings of Honey Maze, I think. Um, makes him flying. There we go. Now I have a use for this model that I wanted to carry over from Warhammer that actually is what it's modeled as. You know, if a model has wings or models flying, try to try to take a magic item that lets them fly. And you can do that with it. So that there is some customization, but yeah, it, like you said, it's not overpowering. Now, do you have to do you have to declare that stuff? When you're putting your models out, or do you declare that when it happens? So is it like you know, it, will it be like a surprise? Like in, like you know, if you have a magic banner, nobody knows you got a magic banner until yeah, yeah. it's useful. Now everything's public from the beginning. So um, you know what? That's actually a great way also to keep track of who's got what. You know, who's got what? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I try to make it a habit of I put a unit on my guard. I'm putting out this horde of werewolves. They've got the brew of strength. It's plus one crushing strength. Um, I just make it a habit as, I don't know, because sort of a sportsman type thing. Um, I just say what, what he's got. And I, I'll bring a copy of my list, too. In fact, I think that's I think you're supposed to for Mantic tournaments. Like, right. bring a copy of your list for points. So, yeah, it's all public. It helps but you if, know yeah, if you're, what. If you're playing open list, but if you're playing like, like a horde army, you know, if you're playing a lot of zombies or you're playing a lot of different units of men, well, these guys got the brew of haste. So you've got your one guy on a on a special thing. These are the the brew, you know the the potion of sharpness, like you said. So you yeah. put your guy with that big sword. Who does you know? He's just a single character. Maybe he doesn't go into your arm, but boom, he's that guy in the middle of the unit. Okay, this is the, that's the unit that's got that. So you can yeah, you can you play with model, it that way as well. If you got a model to represent whatever item, awesome. Um, a lot of times I I don't like in the case of my zombies. I've got them on these bases. I've got two hordes of zombies. So I'll just take a little counter. You know, a little whatever, right. anything, a gem. Only anything. two hordes, <laughs> pedestrian. I know, it's nothing, right? <laughs> actually, well, there's also legions where it's 60. So you could actually go even further than the 40 and make them legions, which I think is 
So yeah, represent. So it's like another. Yeah, I run two legions and two hordes because I got the zombies, and I don't even have that where you can because you know you only have to have what up to you have to have at least half the number of models. All right, so on we'll, your tray, we'll we'll briefly talk about this because it's the it's like the one argument. It's really funny, like in the Manta community, there's no like real arguments overall, especially even online. You know, as forums, people fight about everything. Right. There's not really a whole lot. The only one, and this is the only one there is, and it's in it's in progress right now, um, is the base count thing. All right, so if you're not familiar, in Kings of War, you could either use models on individual bases, much like Warhammer, and put them on a movement tray, or you can do what's called multi-base and make dioramas. So, like right now, I'm I actually I'm just working on it before Dave called me. I'm I'm looking at it in my hand right now. I've got a troop size base. Um, which is like a, the smallest unit you can. Because the uh, game runs on the, the unit's footprint. The individual right. models mean nothing. It's the unit's footprint. So you can yeah. put all your models like you normally do, like I do, just rank up all the zombies, or you can make something really cool. But I know Ronnie was saying you have to have at least half the number yeah. in there. So so, you know. so what I did here is so I've got a – it's a, a troop of, of orc great axe. It's orcs with the two-handed weapon that gives them crushing strength two instead of the normal crushing strength one. It lowers their defense by two, which is nice. Um, now, I took some pieces of cork board and I mounted it on some MDF wood that is the – it's already the right size. So like orcs are on 25-millimeter bases, so five of them across is 125 and too deep, which is what a troop is, is 50. So I made a piece of wood that's 125 width by 50 deep. I took some cork board. I broke it all up to look like pieces of rock. And I put it on the base, glued it all on with Elmer's glue. And now I took the models and I'm like, all right, how can I position these where they look badass? Because this isn't just a generic troop. They got these big, big axes. I want them to look imposing. And if right. I were to crunch them all up, to me, I, I lose the visual of these guys need to look badass. So what I did was I took, um, I'm looking at it now, six of them. Six of them are representing 10 of them. It doesn't matter. Yeah, half, you don't want to go below half. What Ronnie said was one more than what the the size below it has. So troop is the smallest. So there isn't really a size below. So yeah, you would say you would say at least five. It really you know, six. Oh, six, yeah, one more than half. You're right. One yeah, more yeah. than half. Um, but the next one up is a regiment. Okay, regiment is 20 models. So one more than the troop. Troop represents 10. Regiment represents 20. One more than the one before it, you would have 11 minimum. Now, what I like to say is don't get caught up in, you know, trying, you know, what, what, like this guy doesn't have enough or that guy doesn't. What looks cool? I mean, think about it. What really looks cool on a base? Does one goblin on a, a horde-sized base look cool? No, it's kind of dumb. And it doesn't really make any sense. Now, for playtesting, sure, do whatever you want. In fact, I, I played against um, my buddy Anthony who used Post-it notes. <laughs> he was building a brand new army, and he wrote what they are in all these Post-it notes. And the joke was on him, though, because I sneezed in the game, and I spun one of his Post-it notes around. He couldn't charge because he forgot which way it was facing. <laughs> joke was on him but you but anyway, can do that uh, though that's one of the cool things that i tell people is like listen if you just want to try it out or try out an army as long as you have the right trays and you know where the front of the tray is you could literally just play with, i mean to try i mean nobody's gonna let you take that to the local game store just a moving tray game but i mean hey i want to try out an army that i don't normally play i don't have the models for necessarily there you go and actually you know what even at a game store we I mean i would say Hey, you know, people walk by. I'm just, I'm just trying this out. Next time you see me, there will be models. Um, yeah, I mean, it's in a casual environment. 
the base size and like plop one model on there. And that's fine. You know, um, Pat did that while he was testing out the new uh, Forces of Nature army, one of the newer uh, newer armies in, in the game. Um, and he put a one Lizardman guy representing a Salamander um, on a regiment-sized base. Totally fine. I knew what it was. You don't remove models as casualties in this game. You use a wound counter. Um, I try to avoid using dice because I'll pick up those dice at some point. Exactly. Um, I, I bought from uh, War Bases. It's a website, um, a company out of Europe. Um, they do custom size bases with different holes for different types of models. But the coolest thing they do is for a dollar, they sell these little tile, um, these little dials. It looks sort of like a hero clicks dial and it's made of wood and you can then base it. So I put a zombie and I flocked it and I put, you know, um, you know, blood dripping from it. And you can make these little tiny mini dioramas that represent your wound counters and you just, you know, turn it, turn the dial on there when they t- start taking wounds. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And the more wounds they take, the more chance they're going to break on their nerves test, and then the whole thing gets removed off the board. So yeah, it's really all about all about that base. Did you write a song called that? <laughs> and uh, you know, it's one of those things that that's what it that's what it is, though. You know, it, it's it's all about the base. Yep, and it's because you know I'm all about the really doing that. <laughs> no, I had the D's nuts version though. Oh, great! Let's here, here it is. Because you know I'm all about the nuts, about the nuts. Ah, got it. All right. <laughs> you knew you were going to get a sound clip if you're talking to me, right? I knew it. I knew it. I was waiting for it. Um, so, it, but it is though. So, so the base sizes are in the rule book, like sort of the first few pages. Again, free download manticgames.com, the rule book. But you can just make the base however you want. Now, I've got some my undead. They're pretty much stacked. Like these zombies are crawling on each other because that's what I wanted. Um, it looks, it's pretty close to 100%. But my orcs that I'm working on, it's actually a, a blog I'm working on for Mantic. It's kind of cool. We, a bunch of us at Mantic each took an army, like an army box set, the 85 dollars box set. We're going to write a blog, uh, several blogs, talking about multi-basing, using them, and all that kind of stuff, which is really cool. But for me, it's what looks cool. I mean, is it about model economy? A little bit. I mean, if you think about it, if I could buy 30 models, and instead of making three groups of 10, Maybe, you know, squeeze a free one in there, you know, if they're all seven models, think about it, uh, you're going to get one free base out of it. Why not? But that's not really what it's about. It's about what looks cool. You spend time painting these. Why not let, let them, you see them? You know, my cavalry are not five wide. Usually they're four. Um, I'm working on a Kingdoms of Men army. It's going to be like a Game of Thrones inspired army with the Perry uh, War of the Roses models. I'm working on them. They're turned out really nice. Those are about seven on each troop base. So then I put two together to make a regiment base, and now it's 14. Represents 20. It doesn't matter. It, it just it still looks cool. Right. And it's not, you know, and if there is an empty space, then I'll put some rocks there. Or I'll put a, you know, in the case of my orc army, I'll put some, some dead elves on the base or something. Um, you could do whatever you want. Um, you've seen some awesome dioramas. Again, no one's, as the Brits say, no one's taking the piss. Is the expression yes. I learned. you know, putting one model in a horde base. No one's doing that. So you don't have to worry I've about seen people take goblin hordes 10 wide and, you know, five or six or seven deep where it's literally just the ring of the outer thing. And then like rocks and mushrooms in the middle where there's like almost no models. Right. So I've seen people abuse it. And I'm not just calling that. Out. I've seen it in other things, too, where it's like, oh, yeah, 
here's a bunch of you know bunch of rocks and then like two models on the base. That's not what we're talking about. We're, I mean, and you've seen it before in other games because you could use unit use you know used to be able to use unit fillers in Eighth Edition. So right. it's not like people haven't seen it. It's just they've decided. Hey, listen, since it's since it's the footprint, go wild, make it cool. Yeah, yeah you you want to you want right off the bat to look at a unit and know what it is. Number one. Um, and two, have it look cool. The rule of cool is above all else. The funny thing is, Mantic lets you use other models. You can show up to a Mantic official tournament with a 100% Games Workshop army, and it's completely legal. The only thing you won't win is Best Painted, because it can't put pictures of a GW army on a Mantic website. <laughs> exactly. Know? Can't can't do that. But apart from that, you show up with your Lizardman army, or you know, you want to you've got an awesome Empire army, you want to use the Kingdoms of Men list. Which is awesome. It's a catch-all list for like every single human army known to man, historical, anything you want. You can do that. Bring it. Bring it to a tournament. Totally legal. No one will give you crap for it. And in fact, I will also say you can get more for your money because of multi-basing. I bought someone's uh, ogre army on eBay for fifty bucks. Fully painted ogre army, about a thousand points in Warhammer. I'm multi-basing it, doing some things, and I'm already at fifteen hundred. I'm going to add a couple giants, and I'm going to get a 2,000-point army out of it real soon sure. because of multi-basing and being able to take some, some, some liberties with it. It's not to abuse it. It's to just have fun with it. You know, why do I want everyone standing next to each other? It's not, this game's about – it's a mass battle game. So as long as you don't abuse it, no one will have a problem with it. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, so, yeah, a bit, you know, a bit with, ranty, but no, we cover hey. you know, what makes sense on there. So – now with the and with the updated rules, seriously, they did really polish up and clean up. Where you, you know that they listened, you know. I mean, like I said, we before they've got. I mean, there are huge Mantic fanboys out there who you know, and they're the guys who they're getting in touch with Mantic, and they're part of the playtesting groups. You know, they they're yeah. testing out. You know, they're the ones. I remember I was I forget what podcast I was listening to, but they're talking about how those are the guys who helped. You know when the when the points got readjusted, they're actually helping going over these other lists, these alternate, you know, these forgotten realms. Yeah, they're the ones who are coming up with the point lists. You're doing it right now, and in fact, some of my games I submitted. I mean, we all submitted our games when playtesting was going on, and so the first beta comes out. Okay, guys, try it out. Okay, here's what happened. Um, I won this game, and this happened. This okay, cool. It's all just data collection. They're collecting data on games, and then okay, beta one point two is out. Okay. Oh, I noticed the war machines went up to 100 points. It used to be 60 points. And you start to see things getting adjusted. And just as a, a gamer, it's kind of cool to be able to see, well, one, your input being taken seriously, but also just the evolution of the rules. And on the subject of war machines, I'll just quickly touch on that because in the first edition, war machines were very good. They didn't hit all the time. They hit on fives. But when they hit, they were devastating. Right. They were like 2d6 wounds. So possibly, you know, minimum or uh, average seven wounds, possibly 12 wounds. And it usually was like piercing three or four, which means even the most heavily armored guys are going to get wounded on twos. So they were devastating. And they were about 65 points. Oh, and also you could turn them. You can pivot them in the, in the shooting phase. So it was essentially 360 degree fire arc. Like right. Insane. Okay. Now they're not an auto include anymore in every list because – at least with undead, my catapults are 100 points now. It's not 2d6 wounds. It's d6 plus 2. So somewhere between 3 and, and 8. 8. Yeah. Um, they're only piercing 2. 
Um, so instead of piercing three or four, so if you're armor five or six, like heavily armored knights, it's not going to be almost uh, you know anything but one wound. But also due to the shooting rules now, um, or the, the the pivot rules, if you pivot with them, you can't shoot. Um, it's like moving it. So where you set it up for the game is usually where you end up leaving it, unless you're totally like, unless the game's completely moved to one side of the table and like, all right, I got to turn this thing now and waste the turn doing it. Exactly. But otherwise. It made them not nearly as effective as they once were. And the points also went up. Now they're 100 points. So they still hit on fives, uh, but they, they're not as devastating as they once were. And I like that kind of thing. Um, cavalry is not as devastating as it once was. Now they have thunderous charge. So that if they get that initial charge, they're going to knock down your defense by whatever their thunderous charge level is, one, two, three. But if... If they get stuck in combat, and I shouldn't say stuck because you don't actually get stuck. You, you bounce off. You do damage and you bounce back. But if they're in what's called like a counter charge, they charge in the first time, get thunderous charge. The enemy hits them back on a counter charge. They hit them back on a counter charge. They no longer have that thunderous charge. The idea is cavalry, you want that first one. So you sort of play cat and mouse a little bit with it. You got to be real conservative with how you use cavalry. You don't want them just... All right, let's go. You know, uh, Leroy Jenkins, let's run in there. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you, you want to like ideally try to get a flank out of them. Um, just you know, do it right because they got a thunderous charge that they only get on that first charge. And I still it's, like the way the flanks in the rear work. Instead of getting a bonus to your, you know, there's not that combat resolution. So oh, yeah. if I hit you in the flank, I double my attacks. Why? Because I'm hitting you in the flank. I'm smashing yeah. into you. I'm getting a bonus. If I can get all the way into your backfield and hit you in the rear. I'm getting triple. Yeah, or, it's wait, treble. Sorry, Tre- treble. Right, trebling my attacks. Well, it's all about that treble as well. Apparently. Exactly. Uh, the cool thing is, so let's say, let's say you do that. All right. So I've got a unit, my uh, my horde of orcs, and you're just surrounding me with a bunch of elite uh, units of undead. Um, little oxymoron there. Not so not so much elite going on with them. The vampires, we'll say. The vampires are pretty badass. But um, you get a, a rear charge on me, and you also get a front charge on me. And then you get a flank charge at me. So you're surrounding me, okay? I've got enough wounds where I'm going to last at least one more round. On my turn, I do what's called a counter charge, where I choose one of the units that charged me. It could be the one in the rear. I flip that whole unit around, and I attack them. Now, you could say, well, wait a minute. Now you're exposing your rear again. Well, I'm going to go after probably the weakest unit on my counter charge, the unit that I could beat, because if I beat them, then I could then reform, or I should say reform, pivot, really, pivot 360. So right. let's say that triple charge from you was against you know a, a regiment of zombies. Well, they're, they're, they, they get torn down like butter. So I'm going to go ahead and counter charge. I'm going to flip my horde around of orcs, take out the zombies, win that attack, pivot them right back, ready to take the next uh, fight from the vampires in the front. So you could survive it. It's just difficult. And the beauty of the new counter charge rule is, you're not necessarily just screwed when that happens. Like you could, you're, you can still only charge one unit at a time. You can't charge multiple units. Multiple units can charge one, but one can't charge multiple. But the nice thing about that scenario we just kind of you know made up was, if you are indeed surrounded on your turn, you can choose who you want to fight back against with a counter charge. So I, I definitely like that. Well, and there's a couple of nice things with that. First of all, Mantic has embraced the virtual pivot. So a, you can't railroad people if you know what I'm talking about. Where yeah their movement that you've got them pinned and they can't move as long as you end your movement in a legal place you can pivot and move through stuff which is nice with the 
with the uh, with the counter charge is if I've got you from three sides or something like that, you may not be able to choose a counter charge or to, to pivot because you still have to be able to spin around your center and, and not be in the middle of the other guy's units. So you when you to, stop yeah, moving... Yeah, you have to make it fully in. You're right. Right. You can't um, if you got a like. That's the downside with hordes. Hordes last a long time, but it, it really screws you over when it comes to maneuvering. Um, right. If you got a regular one where it's five, you know, five wide and four deep, where it's a hundred by eighty, right? You can you can spin to the sides and not have a huge difference. The other thing I like with that counter charge is because you can only charge one. Is that's where you get in with your, um, if you charge with multiple units of cavalry. Mm-hmm. Because I charge you with multiple units, you can countercharge one of them. But then the next time, if I charge with that one that wasn't countercharged, doesn't that count as charging again? Um, I mean, you, if you, you charge, get your, you get your your bonus, right? Charge if it's a brand new charge. Yeah, you get it. So um, I charge your unit with two units of cav. They bounce off. They haven't destroyed you. You countercharge one of them. That one it's still in the combat, but that that one you didn't countercharge. If he charges again, that's a new charge. That's a new combat, yeah, he's, right? He's fresh. And the funny thing with, in that scenario is because when you move chargers in, you shuffle some things over, you might actually get a flank out of that too. Um, depending on how it's set up, you might actually – if that unit that – if the enemy unit's only a troop, you know, only 20 deep, for example. Right. You know, the way it's positioned, you might actually not only get your thunderous charge from a fresh charge, but it might actually get, be a flank charge out of it too. Um, so, yeah, there's um, – the, the game of Kings of War overall, just kind of people wondering, you know, gameplay-wise, it's not about building the perfect list. It's about tactics that you choose to do in the game, but also how you react to your opponent. There is no perfect list. You know, when I was demoing at Gen Con, what's the best list? Whatever models you think are cool, man. Like, that's, that's what it well, is. Dude, I had a list that, honestly, I mean, no offense, because I mean, you outplayed the heck out of me at uh, when we were having a fun game at Adepticon this year. But I thought my list really should. I mean, with those big hordes and all that stuff, I had the I had the the numbers and just the massive amount of nerve and wounds. Of course, I went up against that one stupid werewolf with an entire horde, and I couldn't do one wound. I mean, the rolling well, kind of screwed me. Luckily for you, you can't take a single werewolf anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah. Any of those large infantry, it's three or six. Not no more, just one. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. In that game we played at Adepticon, the day before I was in the Clash of Kings, and I lost all three of my games. So. Basically, I was just pissed. So I'm like, you know what? Friendly game, Dave. And you're drinking a whole, you know, a whole lot of wine. I'm going to take advantage where I can here. And <laughs> I had to get a win. Otherwise, I couldn't sleep at night. You know? No, that was no. fair. Hey, I mean, we both played our best game. And I mean, and it wasn't just the dice. I mean, there's, there is no perfect list. You might have a better list, but there's still that dice and there's still that maneuvering. And you totally outmaneuvered me because you guys had that movement. You were all around me. Yeah, before I mean, with, the, with the werewolves, too. I mean, they're able to just, I mean, with, they have nimble. Nimble's a rule where it gives you one extra pivot. Normally, when you go on the double, like a march, you don't get any pivots. The fact that they get one, it's like it's one more than they would normally get. So in a normal moment, you get one, they would get two. But it's more important that they can go 18 and spin 90 with that and get prepared for a flank the next turn. Exactly. Um, it's just awesome. And yeah, so as we're playing that, you know, the thing in the game is there are units that are very tough to deal with. If you're going against a unit that's defense six, like the Dwarf Iron Watch or my Wraiths or um, 
There's a few other ones out there with six. Most mostly six defense is reserved for characters, but there are some units that have six. It's very tough to hurt them because even if you have crushing strength one, it brings it down to five. You're still only wounding on fives. Yeah. With that said, they cost a lot of points. Oh yeah. You're not going to be able to take them in large numbers, which means if we roll a mission where it's objectives, how many units are you going to have out there? Probably not enough to really get all those. So if you take a bunch of cheap units, well, I have more units to get objectives with. So there's definitely a, a drawback. And the funny thing is, that big unit, I mean, if I take them out, it, it's a nerve roll. It's 2d6 plus the wounds that have been done, cumulative on them. I mean, if I get a lucky roll, they're done. And you paid all those points for it. So yeah, there isn't really a perfect list. There's not, you could say, well, a bunch of, a uh, bunch of elite units would be great. Well, they might be, you know, like all lesser obsidian golems and, uh, the abyssal dwarf army would be a very tough army to go against, but they're shambling. They're not going to be able to go on the double. So their, their movements, they're also size three. So they're going to get hit by anything and everything. Everybody can see them. Oh, yeah. Systematic line of sight. Great addition to the game. Yeah. Well, you know, Actual line of sight was in the first edition. It was just a it was a bad idea, and they you know Alessio admits that um, because you can do whatever models you want. So, well, I mean, if you can make whatever models you want, and it's actual line of sight, you can also do some weird stuff with it. Now it makes it very easy. If you're on a hill that's size one, and I'm on top of it, now it's size two. You know, yep. uh, large infantry size two, cavalry size two. The really big stuff is three. The huge monsters are four. That's it. So, yeah, it's quite simple now, um, size-wise. It's easy for just determining what's what in the game. That's a size 2 hill. That's a size 1 hill. Very simple when it comes to that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm having a blast with it. We're converting new players, um, you know, every week. We've got, a, we've got actually a Kings of War Chicago Facebook group. You can join that if you're in the area. That We went from 25 members to 50 members as soon as we made it public. So Yeah. I'm was, in that uh, group. What up, Sean? Yeah, you are in that group. Uh, we need to get you down for a game, or we'll come up there. You know, my buddy Todd is uh, working on getting something going at uh, at Unique Gifts. So, um, well, and like I said, like I was telling you uh, at uh, I think at Gen Con, uh, we're going to be recording there one day. We're going to have a Saturday, probably uh, October, like second or third week. We're going to uh, set up uh, a Saturday where I'm just going to come in with the equipment. We're going to record our episode. We're going to get demo games of just everything. We're going to have people coming in. We're going to do uh, playing Infinity, Age of Sigmar. We're going to be playing uh, Kings of War. I already know a couple of people who are like, hey, can I get a demo game of Kings of War for me if we come up there? I'm like, heck, yes, you can. That's so, awesome. Definitely yeah. you post the date on our uh, Facebook page because, uh, you know, do you know Todd or no? Do you know Todd Warren? I He's- know of him. I don't know. I don't know if we've ever spoken to, you know. He used to run Crooked Hat Games in Schaumburg remember, in the old days. Right. And um, so Todd has been our, our, our latest sort of uh, main, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, demo game guy. And he's been doing them all over, and he's working on something up there with those guys. I think he knows – Chris is your co-host, right, Chris? Chris, you, yeah. Yeah. Todd knows him actually pretty well, he said. So he's talking to him a little bit. So, yeah, we're trying, at least in the Chicago area – we're trying to get things going up at Unique Gifts. We're trying to get stuff going at Drakstar, which is tournament at the end of the month, by the way, August 28th. Um, Titan Games in Villa Park, we're talking to them about doing something. Games Plus has already hosted tournaments for us. Right. We're playing a gaming goat in Schaumburg. This is what's cool. If you're, out, if, you're, you know, if you're not in the area, obviously most of you know, people aren't. If you've got a Kings of War group, that's what it's all about. Do a demo game. It's, it's an hour and a half game. The rules are free, and your store might catch on. And you know, the funny thing about it is, people just get they get they gravitate towards it because every time somebody walks by, the first words out of the mouth is, 
what is this, Warhammer? And I'm like, eh, eh, sort of, not really. And then it sparks a conversation. It's a built-in sales pitch that I didn't even ask for because exactly. they start to bring it up. And like, this looks really cool. Oh, I love those guys. Cool diorama, man. I, you know, you can, those guys are glued on there. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I made these hills and I put them on there. It just sparks a conversation. So we're having a blast with it. I can't wait personally to see what's going to happen at Adepticon next year. I mean, Clash of Kings tournament had about 20, 22 people. I see no reason why there can't be 60 or 70 next year because of all the new competitive gamers coming over from Warhammer. Exactly. Grand tournaments are switching over like crazy. Uh, the guys down in Texas we're talking about. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to see what happens, and I'm really just happy to be a part of it and, and uh, watch it all unfold. Cool. Well, listen, before we wrap up, because I've got to get going, I've actually got to go pick up Harrison because it's his first day of high oh, school. Oh, yeah, you got you to do that. You don't want him hanging out there and being the only kid left. Oh, he's that school's not over yet. I wanted to get there a little early because I just, yeah, I, you know, there's going to be a bajillion parents there picking up their kids. You want to get in there and get near the front so he's not yeah, searching. And, and the parade is where we're going to be lining up. Exactly. Float, last float at the right. parade. <laughs> but um, so listen, um, Outside of the fantasy stuff, um, now, I, dude, I have two box sets of the original Warpath that they were selling at oh. Adepticon like that first year. And I remember my one my one complaint to Joe, uh, Joe Neat, was, all right, listen, you gave me this stuff, and these the, the, it comes with the uh, with the Forge Fathers. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like there. Orcs. Yeah. And with the other orcs, I'm like, it says you can give them these specialized weapons. I don't know what any of these weapons are on this sprue because there's not a picture of what any of this is. There's just stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah. And it's like Warpath sort of kind of disappeared after its original beta and its first release. I was sort of like a 40K type yeah. of thing, you know, a sci-fi game. Um, you know, it was promising to come out with lots of huge tanks and machines and stuff like that. And um, wound up actually sort of becoming Dead Zone, didn't it? Like the well, smaller so, skirmish but, version. Yeah. Kind of quickly what happened there was – so Kings of War came out way back when, and Warpath came out way back when. And Kings of War slowly built up to what it is now, which we just talked about. Warpath was a bit of a, a daunting task to come out with it when it did. The idea to make a 40K-style game, or I should say a, you know, a large-scale sci-fi comic game, yeah, like yeah. 40K, just, just from scratch was a bit tough. I mean – in the age with Kickstarters and all these different things and funding, it was very tough to do. So there were some armies released. There were Veermen, which were like space rats, Forge Fathers, the, the space dwarves. Um, orcs were still there. There was the Corporation, also Enforcers, sort of their elite troopers. Rules were kind of hodgepodge, a little bit together. Um, there was a version of the rules that were, it was like Kings of War, where you're moving bases around. There was a version of the rules that was skirmish style, where you're moving just circle, like in, you know, model by model bases. And right. It was sort of like this needs to go on the back burner. Like we we can't do this just yet. So about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago, uh, Mantid created the Kickstarter for Dead Zone, which was a skirmish style sci-fi game, model by model, no squads, and it's going to do several things. It, well, one, if it, if it if it succeeds, we're going to make this cool game. If it goes above and beyond, which it did, it made over a million bucks. Now we've got the start of what will be Warpath done the right way because it went dead zone kickstart did so well hard plastic enforcers were made those would have never been made or i should say never those may have been years away from being made that's where that extra money went to tooling out brand new multi-pose hard plastics for the enforcers 
So Dead Zone is a great game in itself. I'm actually sort of testing the rules with Jake Thornton himself on it. It's kind of kind of crazy. Um, like yeah. It's fun being able to actually have a hand in what goes into the, uh, the, the rules for the next book. So Dead Zone is going to have a redo. First one came out. Um, great game. Six different factions. You could also throw the Martians and Human Alliance in there as well for Mars Attacks. Had a blast with it. A lot of fun. There's a lot of things that were a little, a little finicky in the rules, though. They were just... You know, some things that needed to be tweaked. So a new version's coming out, a more streamlined version of Dead Zone. But also, Warpath Kickstarter, the relaunch of Warpath, done the right way. We're talking hard plastic core troops for all the different factions. Tanks, you're going to have drop ships for the enforcers. You're going to have land speeder type things. All that stuff done the right way. Um, that'll pro- That Kickstarter will probably happen like mid to late September. So if you're listening to this, you know, you know, next August, month, folks, keep an eye out. Get ready for that. Um, it's going to be heavy vehicle focused, though, because the core troops, a lot of them, have been done in Dead Zone. What I think you're going to see is, I think you're going to see um, the initial order of war or the initial level of Warpath with uh, both rule books. Now, I say both rule books because I think this is from Ronnie. I, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. You're going to actually get, which is sort of unheard of, two versions of the game in the game. Most games don't usually have, this is it. We decided this versus this. No, no, no. What happened is it's about 50-50 split with people wanting to play it 40K style, model by model, smaller numbers. And then the other half want to see, I don't want to say it's going to be Kings of War because I don't don't think it's going to be multi-base. I think it'll still be um, models on bases. You might put them in a movement tray, like a Lord of the Rings style kind of movement tray. But... I think if that one's going to be more like mass battle, almost like playing a game of Epic or playing a game of Drop Zone Commander at 28 millimeter, where it's not just an excerpt of the war. It is the war. And these missions are, are, are taking hold the objective inside this building. It's not necessarily about kill this guy, kill that guy, kill this guy. I think you're going to see that version as well, though. So I think they're going to be two rule books. I don't know what they're going to be called, but it'll be like a skirmish. Like bigger than Dead Zone. Dead Zone's about 15 models, 10, 8 to 15 models. It'll be bigger than Dead Zone, played on a tabletop, um, maybe 30, 40 models. Then you're going to see the version of like hundreds and 200s of models that are the mass scale, where the missions are about achieving certain missions, not killing guy by guy. You're moving squads at a time. So I'm pretty sure you're going to see both. A couple of tanks, a couple of squads, whatever faction you want, and that'll be probably the, the sweet spot of the, uh, or at least the, the entry point, I should say, maybe like the $100 level type thing. Right. Um, then it's going to go on from there. So that Kickstarter, that Warpath relaunch, mid to late September, get ready for that. If you're into Dead Zone already, you sort of have a taste of the universe. So Dead Zone is the the worst areas of that universe. They're just shut down. There's a plague outbreak, shut it down. Imagine going into work one day, phone doesn't work, internet's off, nothing worked, TV's off, okay, we were just erased from the map. That's what just happened. And that's what Dead Zone is. A plague outbreak. All right, quarantine. That planet's done. And then stuff happens on that planet. Warpath <laughs> is the, the big scale version of that. So plague will be in there. And the orc marauders. Quick side note. I love the orcs in the Warpath universe because they're not goofy, like stupid orcs. They're actually intelligent. They're militant, military-minded orcs. That took all the training. The corporation gave them all this training for free, gave them all these awesome weapons because they were immune to the plague. Like, cool, we can fight the plague. These guys are immune to it. Let's train them, give them weapons. And eventually, the or- and the orcs, I like to think of it like 
when the humans, the corporation guys are around, they're doing like the whole, hey, yeah, whatever you want, kind of like song and dance. Like, all right, are they gone? All right, here's what we're doing for real. And it becomes like a, like, you know. Well, it's anytime, you, anytime you arm your, uh, arm your enemies to take care of your other enemies, yeah. arm and train them, it's like, oh, now they're, oh, now they're yeah, going on their own. I think it was called the Mandrake Rebellion and the Fluff, and they're like, all right, now we're done. Um, we're fighting for ourselves. So then the, eventually the corporation created the enforcers, which are still human, and to be their shock troops. So, yeah, there's a cool storyline in that. Again, if you're in a dead zone, you know it, some of it already. But if you're not, Warpath is the perfect place to get involved. And I can't wait for that to launch. And, again, yeah, next month, really looking forward to it. Cool. All right, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on and filling out the rest of this special Mantic-focused Gen Con and post-Gen Con episode, man. Uh, no problem. I always like talking. Clearly, I do. I mean, and I, <laughs> as I do, I took it over. You know. Hey, but, no, um, you got the info. That's what I wanted to hear, man. So thanks for thanks for doing that. When you're passionate about something, it's easy to talk about it. So hopefully, you get out there again. Just download Kings of War rulebook. It's manticgames.com. It's free. Just give it a try. Is all I ask because I stay open minded because I think it's really fun and it's it's how can you beat a free set of rules, right? Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that happens? You try it, you don't like it. Oh, well, my free rules that cost me nothing. Now I'm not going to use them again. Yeah, you didn't buy a new army. You didn't buy a rule book. Just download and give it a try. And if you like it, the actual soft cover versus 25 bucks. Can you even get like a, a supplement book for that anymore? You know, for the full set of rules, it's crazy. Exactly. So, all right, folks, listen. This uh, probably the last of our little uh, supplemental garage gaming extra episode since everything's going to be slowly incorporated into the regular garage hammer but i wanted to get this out uh you know of just a pure mantic episode for you guys so uh thanks for listening and we'll be back with regular garage hammer in probably about a week or so what up shun <laughs> thanks johnny talk to you later you've been listening to garage hammer if you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening. Do it. Uh, all right. You can cut whatever. I don't care. Cut nah, whatever. Not gonna cut it. It's just I too. It's too wonderful. Nice.